0: we are live hi everybody on the internet that's watching that's still with us y'all that sit through a fucking be right back screen for 15 minutes i never shout you out enough but y'all mvps just the people that actually sit through that fucking screen i appreciate you all the most not to say that i don't appreciate others but i mean come on they sat through the screen anyway what's up mr rap welcome to bridge the gap My name is Holden Stefan Roy, and this here is the show where we walk through the lives of interesting people such as yourself, and we try to extract some knowledge nuggets along the way, document your story, and kind of get to know you in a way that's maybe not the same as other interviews go about their shit. It is what it is. To do this right, though, we need you to kind of just introduce yourself in a mad brief way. Really, we just need to know where the start of your life is.
1: uh well i guess my life started uh really in sudbury (laughs) 705 sudbury ontario um yeah so i started there Um, that's it
0: we go because next question it starts there and then we go you're gonna see it's gonna work out i know i know it's a bra whatever it's it's this first question too it's a bit of a doozy it's a little story you can, y'all can tell who's watching me i got more energy today um it's a little doozy when it lands you can take this in any direction you so please with a reason we're gonna go into some details but it starts with my girlfriend and she's washing the dishes right and she's got her phone out and she's playing the blackout piece on the i got a feeling woo. She's vibing, she's dancing, she's washing her dishes, she's doing her thing. And I'm sitting there looking at her going, When the fuck did this song become Chores music? Right? Like, because if you think about this song in particular, and you run that shit back about 10 years, that's the club song, man. Two in the morning. I don't know what time it is in Ontario. Two in the morning. Everybody's vibing. It's the prime time of the night. Fucking comes on. Everybody's dancing in circles, drunk as fuck. Great times, right? 10 years later the song doesn't change because it's the same song but like now it's like chores music now it's like fucking exercise music it's some shit you put on when you kind of bored and you want to kind of go back to that fun place back when you were like 10 years younger and was partying quite like that once upon a time kind of thing and i thought that was super nifty right because like it kind of just shows the evolution of music in the sense that the context of our lives shifts so much about how we appreciate and absorb this music and it's also on like this journey that kind of grows and evolves with us which then got me thinking about these little ones in the clubs right now or the illegal COVID parties and they're gonna go 10 years down the line and not as Cardi B's and stuff that's their choice music but really that's our chores music too, because all the club music today is still kind of that chores music. I'm sorry, that comes up like up and I'm up, and you know you're doing dishes and shit. But then like, it got me realizing that when people talk about their musical journeys and their lives and everything connected to it, right most people a they focus way too much on the hip-hop part of their story that's that's not where it starts for most of us that's just the evolution in the journey usually and they start at this adolescent phase like their life starts at 12 years old and there was nothing before them in the existence of the universe so it made me like because if you think about music you could be like right out the womb in a hospital and there's music playing in the room that you're in so it's always kind of been around you it's always been kind of the the environments that you're in. So like I can remember even if I run it back to like four or five years old, right? My dad's got these gray boxes in the apartment, the amplifier, the fucking tape deck, the radio, these wires going to everything, out to these speakers. He'd be playing his freaking Led Zeppelin tapes and shit. At night straight from the clubs of Montreal would be that nineties dance music pumping through the radio waves. Um fucking at Christmas time and like we had this one tape it was these edm remixes of christmas tunes and that was present opening music like like there was just these vibes and these memories and these things that kind of defined so much in my life that would expand on to who i would become as an artist and a person later on in life right so i was hoping mr rip you could run us back as early as you could remember deep into the annals of your sudbury memories and tell us a little bit about what it sounded like to be you before you had any control over the music in your life
1: well, geez, I think honestly, it would probably have to be before I even moved to Sudbury, so it'd be like uh, probably 2002 or 2001. Um, my brother and I—we uh, don't—we grew up together, but we don't have the same father. And uh, we used to travel a lot with his dad, and uh, his dad would always play like Brooks and uh, kids and Elvis Presley and we had like the cassette tapes and we played them in our truck and we'd always be driving all over the place and we'd just be singing and I would, I would see him singing and I would just be singing, you know, and like subconsciously, like I don't really, didn't really have any control over what was going on. I just seen that my like father figure was doing what he loved to do and it made him happy. So it made me happy at the same time by proxy, like reflecting his happiness kind of thing, you know? And um, yeah, after that, I kind of just like, I really fell in love with like singing and stuff. Uh, So I did like a lot of karaoke. You were like (laughs) young, young? Yeah, like young. Like uh, we went, I remember remember this once that I went to, uh, we went to Uxbridge with my family to some trailer park. Um, I don't really remember what it was for. Uh, I think it was for like a baseball tournament or something. And uh, (laughs) there was this barn, okay? it's like the most like northerner crap ever right it's just this barn chilling there they were doing karaoke in the barn and i was like hey man i love karaoke i don't remember how old i was i think i must have been like at least 10 or 11 at the time 10 or 11 yeah so i ran up with my brother i signed myself up to do two songs i think that one of the songs i did was uh lifestyles of the rich and famous by good charlotte banger yeah Uh, and one the other one? Uh, Boulevard of Broken Dreams. Big uh, banger. <laughs> so, yeah, I really, like, I don't know. I always just kind of like found myself like randomly doing music while experiencing, you know, yeah, the that's... rest of my life experience, right?
0: Awesome. So before we go past the age of 10, you got to understand, we got to run it through them early days. People want to know about the little RAP in life. I mean, already, man, just the idea. I asked this question to everybody. And unless you're saying Michael Jackson, everybody's answer changes. All the Michael Jackson people have the same answer. But everybody else's answer is really freaking out there different. Like you're one of the first people to like be like I was in the car and I by osmosis of positive vibes decided to start singing never heard that before so it's like these kinds of stories are just so unique and personal to like your experience like when you were young then you're busting around singing all over are you dancing are you doing like musical-esque moves like tell us a little bit more about your young adventures being a little singer
1: uh well yeah honestly like i found like um Myself, I have like a, a little bit of a lisp when I speak. So I never really had like that much confidence to be able to like sing and stuff like that. But I always had the showmanship. So even when I was a kid, like I, like you were saying, I was always flailing around. I was always dancing. I was always like, uh, I even remember, what was it? Oh my God, it was the movie? Shark Tales. Uh, on, the, on the on the DVD for it, uh, they had like the, uh, you could learn the choreography. So me and my brother, we just learned every single move to the, to the, all the songs and everything. <laughs> But uh, I always loved, like, you know, just, like I said, like showmanship. I love making people happy. I like making people laugh. And I've, like, I've always been a goofy person, even as a small child and stuff. Like, I remember another story with my stepdad. um, He always tells me this story when I see him, too. Um, We went to go see uh, Santa Claus or whatever one year. and uh, I forget what Santa Claus asked me what I wanted. I said, like, a guitar or something. And I, I got up out of his lap and I started singing his Garth Brooks song while everybody was in line. I just started singing for everybody. And it was kind of like, I don't remember because I was really, really young. But my stepdad tells me the story all the time. And it embarrasses me sometimes. But
0: <laughs> That's a great story, though. That just shows that, like, yo, because the way I look at it, um, if there's any truth to 10,000 hours to mastery, which I believe there's a shit ton of truth, except that it's more like twenty to 30,000 hours to mastery, uh, but like uh if you have any truth in that you're already clocking exp at that point you're already out there doing some pretty incredible stuff uh i know it's like often goofy embarrassing moments and maybe we're like as adults we think about it and add that lens of adulting but end of the day a super practical life experience to be able to bust in front of a crowd and do some garth brooks that's (laughs) and that's a tough crowd that's like pissy parents there's no, happy, yeah. there's no happy parents in a santa claus line oh <laughs> <laughs> no man. um no that's super cool like that's the kind of stuff though for real that's a good story um what other kinds of stuff were you up to as a little one were you into like drawing a comic book games, sports
1: uh so i always like i played sports a little bit when i was younger i got a lot of more into it as a teenager um but one thing i think that stayed like constant in my life is probably like uh like i said my love for music but also video games too Mm. like uh obviously a lot of people play video games but i've always like myself um i never actually had like my father in my life so i feel like a lot of times like there's a lot of lessons that i've learned from video games you know <laughs> a lot of things that i know personally as a person today that i've learned from playing video games you know it's kind of weird but it's the way life is
0: i don't find it that weird uh, honestly i played a lot of video games as a kid and i attribute half my analytical thinking skills to pokemon like if you really so. if you like really think about pokemon in the early days you had to remember so much shit and run real-time algebraic expressions in your mind to figure out what move to use when you were battling your homeboy based on crazy shit that we all pretended we couldn't do in high school. You know, like, if you really think about it.
1: <laughs> it's true. There was no, like, uh, Google and shit like that like at that point, right? Like
0: It was pretty trash. It was more like you could find pictures of your Pokemon and, like, a list of stats that you would have to print. Like, there was no, like, cool apps and shit. They hadn't figured out the math yet. It was more like... You just had to memorize 250 fucking Pokemon, all their types, what types were good against what types, what moves were worth using. You just all of, think about it though. At that point, you're doing basic data analysis, which turned out to be a really useful life skill in 2021. 100%. <clears throat> so I believe it with all like the ethos and things that get put into video games that like a lot of lessons can be like transcribed effectively. It's just like books but like different if it's done correctly exactly um that's pretty fresh so around 10 11 you start you get that like you know evolution into the karaoke world is that your first like real performing experience how did that go actually did you did you kill those songs
1: oh 100 percent. everybody loved it like obviously they're still gonna clap for a kid obviously if i'm going up there but Man, I'm telling you! I still destroyed it, whether they liked it or not. I I could have mic dropped if that was a thing at that point. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it was, man. It was a good thing. and it always like, I don't know. It always made me like like being up in front of a crowd and like jumping around and stuff. And the thing is, is that at that point, like, I, I didn't really piece together that I could make anything myself. So it's like, I was just like enjoying other people's music. Making sure that other people enjoy the music with me like I just really like connecting and being like uh I guess I don't know like a conduit for for whatever message the artist is trying to make i'm trying to portray it to the crowd You know through karaoke
0: Yeah, that's fresh does and like was karaoke like a constant in your life after that or is it like a rarer moment? I don't know you're like 10 so it depends on like your parents and all that shit
1: Oh no, man! Like, <clears throat> I I don't want to go ahead too far, but like, uh, my girlfriend that I'm with right now, like, we met through karaoke at a karaoke bar.
0: Say <laughs> what? So, right. That's dope. No, oh, that's fresh. Yeah, karaoke.
1: Yeah, it's never it never left in my life. Karaoke has been around for a while.
0: Karaoke has a special role in my life, so I fucks with karaoke as well. Um, but like, all right, so you're like 11 ish. I guess at the at that point you're into not hip hop. It sounds like you're into more rock and country. I mean, maybe that little emo punk phase that was popping up at that time.
1: Yeah, for sure. Uh, I was definitely more into like the emo rock, uh, like all that Fall Out Boy and stuff that was going on at That's that amazing point.
0: Amazing shit. Amazing
1: stuff. And um, I did the one thing though is that like I always liked old country. I was never able to like evolve into liking like the newer country or whatever country is now. You know, in my opinion. I always just like the older country, like the Garth Brooks and Road Hammers and all that shit and stuff like that. I was always able to listen to them, but, uh, everything else I was able to like,
0: I have a ab- question. Like into- What's up? Why? I'm like, I have a theory on country, but like, it's from some guy who watches people complain about country on the internet more than I actually consume the content. I I get what old country culture is and I get what new country culture is, but as a person who actually consumes it, I'd love to hear your take on it
1: my so this is my personal opinion okay there's two reasons why the first one is because i like i like old kind of, it's the same reason why i like old school hip-hop over new school hip-hop okay i like the old raw sounding stuff before like computers and all that shit and stuff and the technology right so i like i like the old 20 sounding stuff that's what i like you know the band coming in playing some music and it sounds like absolutely amazing and the second reason is because I feel like there are certain artists that came in and just over commercialized uh, country music and just like, like they're not like Taylor Swift, for example, man, like she was supposed to be like a country artist when she first came out and she was like a country artist, whatever. Now she's like a pop artist. But just because of like that specific artist, it just turned my taste off and didn't make me want to like give it another try. You know what I mean?
0: I very much do know what you mean. Today, believe it or not, as in not long before I went live, I was watching one of my favorite YouTubers, Todd in the Shadows, discuss how the guy from stained made is a country singer now, and he made a song Mad at the Left or whatever, and it kinda came off like I don't like that new country, I like that old I, mean, I was listening to him talking, but that's it kind of then I realized, oh my god, country and hip hop have the exact same old head like it's the exact same old head i didn't know that till today so i think it's super nifty that you're saying that but i want to give a lot of credit in the world where drums are played sound engineering has absolutely fucked up dynamic drums in a way that is not nice you can fix a lot of things but what they end up doing in a lot of modern pop uh rock of any kind is like they fix the drums so they find like really good sounding ones and they copy paste it over the bad sounding drums whereas in the back in the day like you know one little drum hit would be like a little bit louder or a little bit less loud and it would create this more depth to the drumming so i believe there's a lot of value in what you're saying with regards to the at least the drum patterns absolutely shifting in the world of country to like ways that will not be replicatable because of technology whereas everything else you can fake with an engineer pretty well.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And I, I believe too, it's like, like with the, the more raw, like live sounding music, it's just, you're able to feel it more. You could feel it through the speakers. You know, like I'm not a robot. Like I don't feel some, some music that's supposed to be like, you know, binary code to me, you know, <laughs> like,
0: I mean, it's got, it's look, I've talked to some people and there's, there's pros and cons to all of it. Right. Um, the one thing I can say just on this, this overall topic is whatever the fuck you like is being made by somebody right now. And the only thing that really changed was billboard. That's what changed the rest of the industry kind of didn't change as much as people think it did. It's more like billboard going from like raw sales, which was a little purer towards people's interests to this gameable system of like stream sales like and weird ethical so like billboard's not the same so billboard doesn't reflect the same thing but all the pop media follows billboard then it's like i don't know all i can say is if you dig a little bit you just find tons of people with like millions of streams that you've like never heard of and it's just there and it's dope it's just that like media never like covers it and that creates like this perception i find but like all you have to do is look at the grammy nominations of 2020 for hip-hop to be like nah those were like five lyrical albums from like really concept driven people like run the jewels four royce the five nines previous not i don't remember the name of it you know like i'm saying these are the guys that were up for grammy so i'm like i don't know if we can keep up the narrative that like hip-hop is what people are saying it is when they literally gave the grammy noms to the guys not promoting the, th- you know what i mean like at some point we in the underground have to acknowledge that the tides we we've won the battle we can't keep complaining about it no more <laughs> you know I, I don't know if that makes sense like this is just like i mean you may not agree with that that's just my observations on like the 2020 trend where it's like you got real conscious again everybody's mad and conscious and i'm like yeah that's actually really dope like hip-hop is in the most beautiful place i've seen in such a long time
1: well that's when like rap started out it was conscious and shit right like no there were-
0: it wasn't Bro, 1976, hip-hop is a party and it's about shaking your fucking booty Till about 82. Then it gets quasi-conscious, but it's kind of corny until about Mm. 85. So now we're about nine years into hip-hop before we start to get the beginnings of conscious hip-hop, which doesn't even become prevalent till about 11, 12 years into hip-hop's history. Mm. Gangsta rap and conscious hip-hop be an expansion pack to the core game. The core game is shake that booty, girl. Shake that booty. So believe it or not party rap is the most pure form of original hip hop that you can find historically. Mm. I'm this, I'm not like, I don't know. Again, like I talked to it, but like, yeah, it's weird that people pick like, you know, the early hip hop is 76. It starts with B boys in a competitive sphere and evolves into DJs. The graph writers is before that too. Right. And like the last Mm -hmm. people to even enter the sphere of the hip hop Mm -hmm. culture is the MC and their role to hype up booty shaking and shit. Like it's really yeah. baffling to me that there's that like it's like this idea that like conscious hip hop, that's like '92, you know, like that's pretty deep mm. into the the culture. Before that. that's like the five percent or takeover, and maybe you can say Ice Cube and shit dropping reality rap in '87s and whatnot. But like, you know, hip hop Blondie was doing Rhapsody and shit or whatever her song is in '81 or whatever. You know, like. Mm. So that would be my, I don't know. I'm not, not to get like, I don't want to just like shit all over like the idea you're bringing forth. It's just in response to the idea of hip hop being lyrical at first. It's like, nah, it's actually really not true. It was mostly like a giant party. That Yeah, I was just
1: just referring more to like, uh, when they were using it as an outlet to talk about the black struggle and stuff like that. That's more what I was trying to gear more towards, but you're, you're totally right though.
0: Yeah. Um, like, yeah, exactly. As Ismail just said, like, lyricism is part of the evolution, which is why, like, the, that's the only beef I ever had with the purest argument. I'm like, bro, like, the early hip-hop songs are not what you think. <laughs> you know, like, they're not. They become what you think. And it's dope. And But that means that if, like, peoples be out there, like, making booty-shaking tracks, it's not, like, against... Or, like, the South has, like, a lot of call-and-chant response type things. And this is tied into, like religion right like so it has to do with like the fact that there was low literacy rates in the south and so they didn't know the hymn so well and nobody could read the hymn book so like the person who was up front would like spit the first line and then everybody would send a line back and that evolves into like a lot of call and response hip-hop that's super repetitive and shit and so it's honestly like just built into a cultural history that has nothing to do with the north And it's like completely Mm -hmm. different. Right. So like all these things get really nuanced to me when we like look at it, like at that point, Oh, anyway, I can geek on that forever. And then I'm just going to talk for a while and it's not really what I want to do here. It's more about you. Um, so let's go back to Europe, like going through this high school phase, I guess throughout that era, are you getting into where are you at with like your music life and your hobbies and the things that you're up to at that point?
1: Well, so. I have to say honestly, I think like a huge transition, within, like the year before high school in eighth grade. Um, I was taking singing lessons, uh, like and trying to get more like, uh, I guess like vocal coaching and stuff like that. Because uh, at that point, uh, I was already writing a lot of uh, poetry. I always, I've always been like um, into like Shakespeare and stuff as well. Uh,
0: stuff. My grandparents
1: always, my grandparents always gave me like random like Shakespearean books and stuff like that. I always loved reading. Um, so yeah, I always liked writing some songs and uh, I took singing lessons for a while. And then uh, when I went into high school, um, I like, kind of like hit puberty, like most do, you know, quick question. And What are so, like
0: a, a 10, a 12, I don't know, 13 year old used songs about?
1: Uh, Honestly, like a lot of songs were just about like, you know what? Now that I think about it, it's kind of weird. This is the first time that somebody's actually asked me like a question like this. But now I'm like kind of reflecting on it, and like a lot of a lot of songs I used to write about, I didn't really realize it, but they were just songs about like loving people and kind of like not being alone and shit like that. And like I never kind of realized that before, because like I like I was a goofy kid and I always like kind of like you know fed for attention from people because like I didn't really have my my family around that much, and. I guess through my music, like subconsciously, I spoke through my music. I didn't really ever think about that. (laughs) That's pretty crazy. It just blew my mind.
0: (laughs) Honestly, it's a little bit why we like to go through this, like through your life story narrative and maybe we'll go a little sidetrack, but no, that's the goal of it. It's to kind of go through your story. And then even like listening to what you write about now, it, it like adds more depth to your album. This adds depth to your album to me. Like, I'm like, yo, say a word. And then I can picture back to your bars. And I'm like, oh, say a word. That is this dude, you know? Like, to me, and it's really cool. Are you showing people your stuff? Are you, like, you know, sliding it over to the girls, trying to get a little bit of attention?
1: <laughs> no, unfortunately, I can't do that because my girlfriend's on the album too, right? So...
0: I met, like, when you were 13 or 12, like, super young. Not now.
1: Oh, <laughs> My bad. Um... <laughs> yeah honestly I was like uh when I was in like elementary school probably up until like halfway through like ninth grade too I was kind of like a little like like gigolo I guess you would say like I dated a lot of the girls <laughs> like in my school like you know this <laughs> was like
0: <laughs> I love it
1: I was just I was the goofy kid and I was like the personality and stuff and I, I liked singing and I kind of was like sort of like because of the poetic side I was sort of like soft at the same time. so a lot of girls kind of just liked it and just you know, whatever
0: you totally wrote them custom poetry didn't you like okay let me tweak this pop song for you Let me get you like that
1: I <laughs> might have been a couple of custom poems for some people yeah
0: ah, that's proper my man we do what we do when we're young and it's it's not a bad move honest of all the moves you can bust out to impress a girl I wrote you a poem in my opinion, should be heralded as one of the dope moves a person can do. I'm just saying that's like a customs poem piece. That's like art and shit for that person. quality, totally up for debate. The intent is powerful. (laughs) So are you like at that point, like then performing at talent shows and like trying to dibble and dabble in recording and that kind of stuff?
1: Uh, I never really did recording at that point. Like I did, like uh, I did a lot of random karaoke's and like I think at that point the only talent show that I really did was uh, um, we went to a family reunion and they needed somebody to like fill some time and I was like, hey man, I like singing, and I just went up and sang some stuff, you know, like just like that. But uh, yeah. I got more into like recording. Uh, well, actually, it was in like ninth grade, so like essentially. I had this, I had like two huge epiphany moments that made me like really know what I wanted to do with music. And one of them came in ninth grade where I was, uh, we had these two different like classes to separate the juniors and the seniors in our school. So we had like a study period and a lunch period at the same time. And then it would like flip over kind of thing. So we had our study period first. And uh, at this point, I didn't really like rap in front of people. I just was still kind of writing poetry and stuff. And uh, these two chicks in my class, they pissed me off. And they were, like, talking shit about me and stuff. And Holy I talk shit. about it. This is, this is
0: like this fucking – the first track on your project. You... <laughs>
1: oh, <man. laughs> so, yeah, they were actually talking shit about me or whatever. So I wrote a rap about them because they fucking pissed me off. And then uh, when the bell rang, I went out in the hallway and I went up on a bench and I rapped in front of the entire school and everybody loved it. and They were all cheering and shit. And at that point, I was like, man, I really like the, like – you know like everybody's cheering and shit for me i was like this is really cool you know and that's when i started like freestyle rapping uh, a lot more than writing at that point i just like fell in love dived deep into like hip-hop and like just started listening to a lot of rap and stuff and uh yeah just started freestyling in front of a lot of people and stuff
0: mm. i totally appreciate that grind so you're basically running high school and you're are you guys like battlings and stuff or is it more like you just showboating
1: uh well at first it was like we were trying to make it like battles and stuff but there's not a lot of like people that like there's a lot of people that rapped but there was a lot of people that like were like how do you say like um like open with it at the time like a lot of people rapped but they rapped on their own they were like off in the corner doing their thing and then at a certain point uh like in my hometown um it kind of just like blew up to be a cool Sudbury rapper And then everybody all of a sudden was a fucking rapper in that town. So yeah, (laughs) (laughs) including me. So there you go.
0: (laughs) That's fair, man. But I think everybody's a rapper everywhere. You know, that's the one thing the whole world has in common right now. Everybody's saying in their rap scene, everybody's a rapper and nobody's telling them they're trash. Every rap city in the world as in every place, all of them pick a place. It's It's happening. Um, that's that's still so you're like a a teenager and the rap scene locally like picks up in a tangible way though that's like nifty what triggers that like what is it that makes that a thing
1: well i think a lot of people man it was kind of shitty at first because there's a lot of people that kind of fell into it because they're like oh i'm gonna drop out of school i'm gonna be a rapper it's like they thought it was like an easy route and then once they started doing it then, then they realized it's not such an easy route you know you have to be like dedicated to what you do and especially when you're creating something like people are going to sit there and listen to your track soundcloud music over and over again you know what i mean like
0: depends on the soundcloud music i gotta admit i mean, the, there's a couple of them that are bops that i can but i get the premise <laughs> of what you're saying if i could reframe it just because soundcloud you know, people listen to soundcloud and we can't shit on it in fact I, I here's what happened to me i'm at work and there's 22 year olds there now i'm like 33 or at the time a couple years younger so i'm like okay i gotta listen to young ones he's like bro why isn't your music on soundcloud that's where i go to listen to music and i never thought about soundcloud the same again i put my shit there shut the fuck up <laughs> but i think what you're trying to say is that low effort common denominator trend hoppy shit.
1: yeah basically everybody thought that that's what it was going to be and like There was a thing that happened in my town, too. There's this artist that uh, he goes by the name uh, M.O. Littles, uh, like Morgan Little. Say a fucking Um, word.
0: Tattoo is linked up with fucking people that is doing tracks that I'm getting interviewed by a guy on a song with him. Anyway, that's fucking say a word. I had no idea it was from there
1: yeah he's from Sudbury so like uh, when uh, the song uh, Black and Yellow came out with Khalifa uh, Morgan made a, a remix called Nickel City because uh, our, our town's a mining town uh, Like, Sudbury's uh, probably I think like it's the mining capital of the world or like at least Canada or something but like it's we like export the most nickel like anywhere say word but yeah so basically he made a song called Nickel City and it was like an anthem for our town I played on the radio and shit and it was like a huge thing and a lot of people in our town like no offense to the people back home i love everybody but there's a lot of people in our town that they thought that you know like hey morgan's coming up like i'm gonna start rapping so like we're all gonna come up together and shit and like that that was kind of embarrassing to see happen because a lot of rappers started rapping and as soon as they noticed that you know nobody was picking them up like right away they just kind of stopped right away and you could see that like it wasn't well, the passion wasn't, the passion wasn't there. That's what it
0: is. I don't know if it's embarrassing. That's an interesting choice of words to me, but I understand what you're trying to say. It isn't very inspiring to see a lot of people start something and give up and like half ass, especially when you're the type of person to not stop evidently because we're having this discussion. So you push that shit proper. I, I got mm-hmm. where you're coming from. But um, the way I always saw that is a blessing. Not everybody that was making music when I started is making music today, but the, all the ones back then that see me still doing it today are very aware that I'm still Man. doing it. We may not even like each other, but there's, like, this mutual head nod. You're still in the game, eh? Respect. <laughs> um, so I appreciate that sentiment, but still, I had no idea who was from there. I didn't even think that – like, I fucking swear I just added that guy to Facebook, like, recently. And I just like, he's been a name I became aware of because of my next man's, he ends up joining a group, the fe- the feast or fast or whatever. And my, my man's is in yeah. the same group with him. So it's like, anyway, and then I, I bought roti off the other guy in the group. Anyway, True. so you're running through that subbury grind, I guess. Are you like performing? Are you writing and recording? Like, what's it like at that era then as you're seeing it pop off before it fades off
1: uh so at that point i wasn't really like uh recording at that point i was trying to make connections and network with a bunch of people and uh so i had like a couple of rappers from my hometown um that are actually still rapping today and stuff that uh i go have like small sessions with them and stuff and uh like we would record like stuff but we would never put it out it was always just like rough drafts like random stuff like we were just having fun freestyling writing stuff i remember one time we even went i this was once we went to uh, my friend's house and uh he wanted to learn how to rap and how to like record stuff and my buddy was good at mixing and mastering stuff and i just like assumed i was good at rapping at the time so <laughs> i was like i'll give you some advice you know so anyway we went over to his house uh and he had like one of those like harry potter under the stair staircase like rooms there kind of thing. <laughs> uh so we soundproofed and we put a bunch of clothes like right against the wall and shit we. Uh, grabbed a, some of his mom's pantyhose and we stretched over a clothes like uh, a, a clothes hanger put it over the mic for like a pop filter type of thing and uh, we drilled a hole through the wall to run the cords through <laughs> the his, uh, his parents weren't very happy but he was happy with with uh, the experience and stuff we just uh, ended up recording a few songs and showing them like how fun it was like to do stuff but yeah anyways at that point that's all that we were really doing was just fooling around and trying to network with people and like uh you built a just home studio. A thing,
0: you know? All like proper. Like you just... Yeah, I wasn't really trying hard. We built a home studio. Yeah, no, it was really just really new. I'm like, what the? That's a guy kind of a pretty big accomplishment stills, you know? We built... Yeah, it was
1: like... Like, if we took pictures of it, it looks pretty funny. But, like, yeah, we had, like, clothes, like, pressed up right against the wall just to take in, like, the like the soundproofing and stuff, right? Yo, those... And, like, even before recording, we popped a balloon inside while it was closed, and you couldn't hear it. You couldn't hear the balloon pop inside of the closet.
0: Facts. Like, um, some of the best sound I ever encountered wasn't booths. It was shit like that, like, these bootleg ass studios with towels everywhere, and you're like, say a word. It really works. <laughs> <laughs> videos
1: videos, man
0: (laughs) um so i guess um at what point then do you start to like elevate it to a point where you take it a little more seriously
1: uh so i think it would have probably been it was like 2018 because like i was always writing music and i've always i've always had like I have a ridiculous amount of books just with lyrics I've never ever used in them. And they're just sitting doing nothing. And essentially I had, I had one year where I was like, you know, I wasted a lot of my life and I just want to like, like I wasted time getting experience in my life. So I wanted to like take some time to like shove forward and gain some huge bits of experience at once type of thing. You know what I mean? So let's say I don't, when do you finish high school? and i would have finished high school in 2012.
0: fresh so let's go back to there and we'll get to it because i believe you said you did some nifty shit in the middle so i mean you would mentioned some stuff that i thought was nifty before so like what happens for you after high school so let's say you run through the high school you guys do anything unless there's other like super cool high school stories you want to share upon which feel free to share i just um kind of you know i never know what comes next in people's lives
1: yeah <laughs> Man, there's so much shit that happened in fucking high school. Like, I could I could tell you a bunch of stories. Like I said, I was a... Like, it,
0: you believe it or not, me and all your fans give a shit about the high school stories.
1: <laughs> Man, like, honestly, like, I was such a little shit in high school and stuff, and, and even in elementary school and stuff. And, like, it's crazy, like like looking in retrospect to see, like I could see myself how people change throughout their life just by looking at my own life, you know, like I'm a perfect example, even just for myself. Cause like when I was in high school, I remember one time I was doing, I did track and field and, uh, I was doing this event. It was, uh, I like doing, <laughs> I like doing really short distances, like the hundred meter dash, but then I also like doing things like uh, the 2000 meter steeplechase or like a uh, 5k, like, um, what was it called? Uh, on there uh, i don't, know Yo,
0: I don't even know because here's the <laughs> like thing the the I, I would never know what that is in english that would have just been some shit they said in french my whole life and i never would have thought to
1: look it up you know what I'm <laughs> about oh cross country yeah cross country i mean that's what it is that's what it is okay so like i never like doing the distances in between like the 800 i was never interested 400 i don't give a shit. like it was all the small stuff or the really long stuff you know so anyways, I was doing the 2000 meter steeplechase and What's steeplechase? I was running. Uh, so basically the chase is like, it's like hurdles, uh, but they're a lot bigger and wider. And like, you just got to run around the track and you could either jump, you could set your foot on top of it and jump off of it, or you could just jump right over it. and depends whatever you want. And then there's one part in the track where they have this ginormous puddle of water that you have to jump on the steeple and over the water to continue doing the race. It's like an obstacle course, sort of
0: that sounds more fun than a, than an 800 meter
1: <laughs> it does right so uh, yeah this one time i was going i was uh running and i was going to jump over that uh puddle i was telling you about and this uh, person was going to jump at the same time as me and they kind of gave me a shove and while i was coming to like jump on the thing i smacked my ankle and just fell over into the the thing and i i think i fractured my ankle or something like that so I had to get the crutches for a while and we had an elevator for the school. We had a key for the elevator. So <laughs> right, uh, cause you have crutches.
0: It, so you get the elevator key.
1: Exactly. Right. So, um, I used the elevator and what ended up happening is that we went to a corner store and I cut 15 keys to the elevator for all my f- closest friends and shit. <laughs> and, <laughs> I went back to school and I gave out these keys to the elevator to all my friends so they could all use the elevator whenever the hell they want. And the funny part is that... or totally...
0: whatever the hell they want.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the funny part to the, the, the story is that my school only had uh, two floors. So, like, it's not like the elevator was necessary for anything. Like, you know, and I just gave these keys out. And what ended up happening is uh, I had, like, this was, like, a few months after I was, like, off my crutches and stuff. And me and my best friend, we were going down the elevator. We were just laughing, having a good time. And the door opens, and the vice principal's there. And she's wearing these like high heels and stuff, and just like clicking her foot. And I just like, I'd even without a beat, I didn't say anything. I ran past her as fast as I can, ran to my locker, grabbed my shit, and I just left. It was just like, I'm not. <laughs> I never existed. I was never here in the first place. <laughs>
0: That's
1: amazing. Yeah, no, I could
0: imagine if you give a bunch of teenagers an elevator key, there could be some tomfoolery that could happen in the elevator.
1: I was trying to share the wealth with my homies, you know, I got the I elevator
0: key. That. Bro, that, you made some people very happy is all I'm saying. At least somebody got very happy because of your key situation and you set somebody up in a good time. You, it's a heroic <laughs> move for life. Like somebody's telling that story to this day, I promise.
1: <laughs>
0: That's dope. What else happened in high school?
1: Uh, man, I got in a lot of trouble. <laughs> uh, you don't have to talk see. about getting in trouble. <laughs> well, I know, so, uh, we had like the morning announcements and stuff at our, at our school. And I have to say probably from the second week, uh, I went to the first high school I went to, um, basically, uh, my name was called every single day at the detention slip. They're like, Brad, please come to the office and come grab your detention slip. And from ninth grade until halfway through 11th grade, man, they call my name every morning. And if they didn't call my name in the morning in the announcements, somebody would come up to me and they're like, hey, man, are you okay? Or they'd text me and they're like, hey, are you sick or something? Because it was just, they were so used to wow. hearing my name all the time. And, it, and even, it's so fucked up because it's like, it was like, um it was like personal advertisement because Still to this day, bro, I meet people I've never met in my life, but they know my name just because they heard my name every day for four years over the fucking intercom at school, bro. Like, it's messed up, man.
0: <laughs> Yo, this is actually messed up on multiple levels. They used to do some real public shaming shit. I don't know if they still do that, but that's so, like, shamy, right? Like, that's, like, literally saying, like, fuck this kid.
1: He gets detention. So <laughs> fuck
0: him. All of his peers are going to know he's the troublemaker
1: exactly and then, like at that point man i didn't give a shit i wore it like a, as a badge of honor you know like they called me to the office like Connor mcgregor walked my way over to the office grabbed my detention slip, and was like i'll see you there and then i just never show up and they'd be like we're gonna give you three more detentions like bro i have detentions until i'm 40 years old like you think i give a shit like like it's done like that's amazing
0: um I don't know what else happens in high school, but I'm also curious to know what happens after high school. So, like, what do you go on to, like, college? Do you stay in Sudbury? I don't know what you guys have in Ontario. What do you call it? University there? Because you, you don't have SAGEP. So, even when you said high school at like grade 8, I had to adjust for a second and remember it's not Quebec. So, I don't fully remember the name. It's like it's university right away. Now, you have four years of university and 12 years of high school, right? So, you go to a grade 12 and then on to university, correct? Like that's how the Ontario system works?
1: It depends if you want to go, yeah. You go to college or university and then uh, so, depending so on- So what's the program, difference
0: between college and university?
1: Uh, college is like, <laughs> honestly, like I've never personally had the experience, but from my, like going into, to experience it through my friends and stuff like that and relatives um, essentially, In my opinion, what I took out of it is that university is more geared towards uh, like actual academic like learning, (laughs) and uh, a lot of uh, college is more like I find like a lot of college. Well, sorry, a lot of college is a lot of hands-on learning, even though there's a lot of stuff that is like theoretical and stuff. But there's just a lot of partying going on. Getting to know people. There's, there's,
0: there's partying at both.
1: Yeah, there's partying at both. I feel like, I feel like college is more of like a a personal, like human experience. I don't feel like university is that much of a personal human experience. Like, I feel like you're more like, I don't know, more in the books in a university kind of state, you know, but that's just my opinion. I've never been to any, so I, I don't know any,
0: (laughs) I understand that like. Yeah. University is colder and stiffer. I can see that being, but it has to do probably with your program too, right? Like if you're up in university in some fucking like theater program, you're probably having a mad different vibe than say the psychology kids who's having a mad different vibe. And I definitely think there's like program specific vibes. Right. And so I think like what you're saying though, is that a lot of the hands on things creates a different vibe that probably attracts a certain type of person. And I could see where you're coming from, how there's like absolutely drastically different cultures. <laughs> and yeah, academia is a very, because that university is academia, right? And that's a very cold place. It's a very strange place to me. I mean, I don't hate it because it does good for the world, but it's fucking cold. It's not my favorite place on earth. Um. Uh, so yeah, what do you do after high school then?
1: Uh, so basically after high school, I was uh, working and uh I don't know, I was getting, I guess, gaining life experience and stuff like that. Um,
0: what does gaining life experience mean if you can expand on that? Like, if you can't expand on that, too, don't expand on that. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, I, worked, I, worked, uh, I worked at a pizza shop, like, uh, on and off for pro- maybe about, like, seven years. Okay.
0: Um
1: And, like, this pizza shop was, like, uh, I don't even know how to explain this place, man. It was, like, it was, like, if it was a pizza hut and a subway like had a baby and then like the baby came out as like uh, a Chuck E cheese for adults or something. Like it was messed up. It was a messed up <laughs> restaurant, but yeah. So this place is like basically just like a restaurant that I worked at. And uh, <clears throat> the like the more money we would make would probably be like around uh, like after bars closing and stuff like that. Uh, Cause we stayed open till five in the morning and all the other places closed right at two o'clock. That's so big, like, man. instead of going, yeah. So we were downtown too. So like, uh, instead of going like to pizza pizza, they would come over to our place and they get, you literally could get anything. You get pizza, you get fucking meatball subs. You get any kind of sub you get at subway, you get spaghetti, lasagna, chicken wings, like whatever you want. We had it there. Like it was a great place to work, but it was just like super messed up. Cause it was super sketchy. So like we had this one time that, This guy, he wanted a refund and it was this really big, burly dude. And like, we were behind the counter. So like, we weren't necessarily talking shit. Like we were being like polite to the customer, but we were just basically telling him like, you're not getting a refund. You wait half of your product. Like if I eat half of my fucking pizza and then bring it back, like, I'm not expecting to get my money back or another pizza for it. That's ridiculous. You know? So this guy got pissed off and he left and he kicked our back door in. Okay. And we had, at that point, we were really busy. So we had a lot of people staffed at the time. So we maybe had like uh, two delivery drivers. Like one of them was just standing there. The other one was on the phone, taking phone calls. We had maybe four cooks and then two people in the front uh, working like the sub counter and the cash and stuff. And uh, this guy fucking came through the door, kicked the door open, bro. He punched out four people like dead in front of me, punched out a bunch of other people. And he was just like, oh, am I getting my refund? And I'm all like, bro, like, what the fuck? <laughs> I was like, I'll give you your money back. Like, I don't give a shit, dude. Like, as if I just watched five people die in front of me, basically. I was like, I'm, you're not taking my life, too, you know? <laughs> like, but it was messed up, dude. Like, the shit like that happened all the time. And, like, one of the cooks, oh, I forgot this part. Even one of the cooks, man, we had a golf club for shit like that happening. And one of the one of the guys hit that dude with the golf club. And it was just like in the cartoons when the golf club, like, bends over them it fucking just went the shaft just went right over his fucking head and the guy just kept fucking punching people man it was crazy like that place was absolutely insane man like it was crazy there were fights there all the time i went out for a smoke once dude i almost got hit by a jeep like this fucking dude was drunk and he almost smashed me on the sidewalk and i confronted him about it he's like what are you the parking police and i'm like what the fuck, man?" yeah it's crazy crazy stuff
0: I wasn't expecting you to go there with with that, but that was amazing as far as stories goes. That was pretty incredible. I'm picturing this guy busting through the back. I'm picturing you guys bonk. He's like, I don't even feel this. Pop! I'm like, shit. Because you don't want to be the guy who's just hit him in the head, who's now staring at him. You know you're about to get knocked out. Like You're not getting out of it. You hit him in the head. You're going down.
1: (laughs) Honestly, like... I have to say, like honestly, I was scared shoulders because like I'm I'm me and the other girl that was working the front, we just basically told him that he wasn't getting his fucking stuff, right? So like I just watched him punch like four people out and all I could think was like he's here for me. Like he's here for me, man. It's like a bounty hunter coming for you <laughs> and you're like, dude, this guy's here to take me out. And like, the other girls are girls. He's not going to hit the girl. He's going to destroy me. I'm going into that microwave. Like, I'm done, dude. Like, I'm finished. Like, you know, <laughs> like.
0: But at the end of the day, he's like, nah, see what I did to them? Now can I have my money back?
1: And you're like, yes, sir. <laughs> his, his money, bro. He used them as an example, and that was probably the scariest thing out of the whole fucking thing, dude. Like, for real.
0: <laughs> like, oh, you got a little lucky in that moment the fucking real yo what's up golden jenny from norway <clears throat> but um that was an amazing story that ranks that ranks pretty fucking high and the most hilarious shit i've heard on this this journey that i've been on <laughs> um, bro
1: it's a breathing messed up place man i have even more stories just from that restaurant that you would never even believe man i mean like,
0: i'll believe them but i still want to hear them <laughs> Yo, I mean, it's wild. It's also part of, like, you. So let's say you witness these things. They impact you. They play into, 100%. like, everything that you become. So as much as I find high entertainment value in hearing crazy shit drunk people do, like, I worked at a Dunkin' Donuts, right? So I know all about, like, the fucking 3 a.m. shift. Like, it was oh no, God, it was nothing like as high profile as yours, trust. I'm in the middle of, like, fucking, it wasn't that bad. But, yo, sometimes, like, people come in and you're like yo okay the energy gets weird and like you know so i can only imagine and i'm in montreal right so let's say there's a degree of well-behaved that the country which is what i consider like fucking sudbury to me is like tiny i know it's kind of it's like i looked at it on the map i'm like this doesn't it looks like a region of small things <laughs> i'm like i'm a, and so like yeah, different culture, different level of policing, and all that other kind of shit. It's a little more aggressive, you know. I bet the cops aren't called as much.
1: No, and it still takes them twice as long to fucking show up too, man. <laughs> like, I think you know, like we have like Sudbury, and then we have uh, like surrounding towns that's called like Nickel Belt or whatever. And I remember there's always there's still a joke to this day that one of the towns that we grew up in is called Levesque. Uh It only has one cop in in the entire town. So like if something happens, like that one cop answers the fucking phone if he's at the office and then he fucking <laughs> rolls over to the th- whatever's going on and shit, you know, but it's hilarious. Like.
0: Nah, that's fucking, I just looked up uh, Sudbury's population. That's what I do and I get curious. Your mm-hmm. Sudbury's population right now is the size population-wise of the part of Montreal I live in. We have the same population as Sudbury and I'm like, wow, I mean, it's kind of big. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's not as small as I thought, so... It's a little
1: bigger, but still. I wonder. I wonder. I never actually knew this. I don't know when they do the census if they count, like, uh, what I was just talking about, Nickel Belt as Sudbury. Because, mm, like,
0: that's a good question. Uh, I would assume it. Yeah, it's, it's greater. Under- no, it's greater Sudbury. In the way that, like, Montreal's greater population is four million, but, like, the island is, like, two.
1: Okay. Okay.
0: And that like includes Laval, which is not Montreal, but like for the sake of the Greater Montreal area, it is. So, no, maybe not. No, Laval's its own distinct region. So it's all the shit around Montreal, like the eastern townships and all the, the the English parts and the French parts, the farms and shit. A lot of that is is still Montreal ish. So in that way, yeah, that population includes your nickel belt thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, like small, like little farm towns and shit out there. So <laughs> there's a lot of hi- hidden people all hiding in the bush.
0: So now I'm mad curious. What else happened at the pizza place? Because you got me like super curious.
1: Oh man. Well. <laughs> uh, okay, I got, I got, I guess I got two more stories I could give you. All right. So the first one is, um, um, this was like later on in life. So basically, uh. We weren't doing as great at this time. I think we just reopened, like reopened the store or something. So we weren't as busy and it was just me and this other girl. I sent the other girl home. So it was just me and the other delivery driver. Delivery driver leaves. I'm just standing there just cooking, making some stuff. Um, And this guy comes into the restaurant and he just like, we had like one of those old like uh, takeout like things where you just come up, like inside the restaurant where you just come up and you like hang out on the side and you like talk to me, I cash you out, whatever. So I could only see like this part of your body, like upwards type of thing. Right. Okay. Yeah. So this guy's talking to me and like, we're shooting this shit. And I think like, I don't remember. I think we talked for maybe like 20 minutes, like 20, 25 minutes or something. We're just like, he was talking about life and uh, he even bought something. I cashed him out. He bought something, gave him some food and he leaves. And it was just like the most normal transaction like ever right and all of a sudden like i think maybe like half an hour later a bunch of police show up to the restaurant and i'm like (laughs) i'm like what the hell's going on and they're like oh there was a stab victim in the area recently like you know what's going on i'm like what no and i go like come around the counter to come talk to them and the front of the counter where the guy was leaning, and the whole carpet is soaked in blood. Oh, so the way. guy that was talking to me was the stab victim, or whatever. He was the victim. Just talk- yeah, bro, he was the victim. He was bleeding all over the place on the fucking carpet. The victim. And the I
0: thought you were gonna be like, it's the guy that did the shank. No, the victim. He gets stabbed like- and then comes to order food.
1: Yeah, bro, he ca- he came and got a sub, bro. He got like a BLT or some shit, dude. He come came and order food, and fucking like I couldn't believe that shit happened because I just had a normal conversation with this guy like he was like I, I wouldn't have thought that he got stabbed whatsoever and then we checked the camera so I could show the police and you could see his leg was just bleeding all over the fucking wall bro like you could see it on the camera he was just pissing blood man I'm like as if like what the fuck so yeah it was just messed up and then the funny part of the story is like I'm not like I'm not like a smart ass but like sometimes I'm a smart ass you know yeah <laughs> there was like the police were there right and there were three female cops i remember these okay there were three female cops and they asked me to fucking move the carpet or something because we were getting customers coming in so they wanted to move the carpet and i just came up and like i'm just a i'm a kid from the fucking from the north like i i'm not a clean person i don't care like you know what i mean like i was about to just move this carpeting
0: What does from the north mean to you? When you say from the north, what does that mean?
1: I don't know. Like, I mean, like, just like a not necessarily a farm kid, but like, I just grew up in the bush, like, fucking, you know, like, fishing and like, like, fucking the south,
0: but like the north.
1: I feel like the South is just like, like for, for me in Ontario, like uh, the South is just like city, like it's Toronto, right? It's just like city and shit like oh, that. So you're
0: saying like North Ontario when you say the North.
1: Yeah. It's more like Hick, like Hickville and stuff like that. Like where I'm from.
0: Understood. All right. You can go back then. Mm-hmm. I just had to clarify that cause I'd never heard that before.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but But uh, yeah. So essentially, uh, like I said, like, not that i'm i am not saying that i'm a dirty person but i just mean like i just went to go roll up this carpet i wasn't thinking anything about it and just like like fuck it roll up the carpet move it blah 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 and the police started freaking because there was blood and they're like yo you should put some fucking gloves on like what are you doing and without even thinking or like without using my brain i was just like okay mom you know just as a joke but it was, like, three female police officers, so they just looked at me, and they were super, like, unimpressed, and I was just like, oh, fuck, I was like, why the fuck did I say that? And I was like, I'm gonna go get a pair of gloves right now, so I just turned around, I went to get some gloves, I came back, and I picked it up, and, like, they uh, they took my, uh, like, uh, my testimony or whatever after my witness statement, and fucking, they weren't impressed talking to me after that.
0: I can promise you there's a 50 percent chance i react the same way i feel you on that sometimes it comes off like that you're like yo let me just go do the thing go put some gloves on they might be right it
1: still yeah. feels like what it <laughs> feels like right
0: you know it is what it is
1: uh, we <laughs> learn our
0: lessons in life
1: just like in the situation or whatever you know i was busy i was the only one in the restaurant and i still had to take like orders and shit, right Hold so, up, I was... so you're
0: saying there's blood everywhere and motherfuckers are ignoring all of this to come get sandwiches.
1: Oh yeah, man. People were still coming in to try to order and shit, dude. They still wanted their food.
0: That's amazing. I think that's my and the favorite part
1: were, they were talking to me and they're like where are the cops there and i'm like bro there's fucking blood in the lobby right where you fucking walked right by bro like what do you mean and they're like oh i thought it was tomato sauce or something and i'm like no and they're like oh can i get a blt And i'm like <laughs>
0: <laughs> i mean at that point you're like well whatever i mean i'm here i didn't come here for nothing yeah. this is this is why i came like ismail said it's the importance of food like even that guy who got stabbed <laughs> it was a, I. It must be like super delicious. We got to give credit to this place because I mean, that has to be delicious food if you choose food over medical attention. Is I guess. Well, what's <laughs> The
1: dying, he's like, "Yo, let me get my protein real quick, man." Like <laughs> walk in. All
0: right. So what's that last story you said you had? Because now I'm even curious. The, the first two are gold.
1: <laughs> So the last story that happened, and this was like, uh, this was a pretty cold night. And I think it was like, uh, fuck, it was like in the negative 40s or something. It was like a, one of our coldest nights that we had. And basically what ended up happening is I had a guy come in, and I think it was like half an hour before closing, <clears throat> and he ordered some food. I was talking to him and stuff. And while he was leaving, this fucking dude pulls in, uh, I think it was like a forerunner, It was like an SUV. And... Like, the restaurant was, like, on a corner. So, like, the entrance was, like... I don't know how to explain it. Like, the entrance was literally on a corner. Like, you'd see, like, a TV show. Like, those old-school fucking, like, restaurants type of thing. Like, right on the corner type of thing. Doors right there. You go on the corner, you're right there inside the place, you know? Yeah. The SUV pulls up in the intersection. The dude in the SUV comes out of the driver's seat. And uh, he fucking starts walking towards the door. And the SUV's still rolling or whatever, like, in the background. And the guy, like goes to open the door that's on the inside and the guy on the outside, he fucking like and kicks the door and like boots the door on the guy's arm and all you could hear is the guy and he's like, oh, I want my motherfucking money or whatever and I, I just turned around to see like what the fuck like what was happening and the one guy's so all like, oh man, just leave me alone. He's like, I'm just trying to get some food and he's like, oh, have you got some money for food or you got some money for me or whatever and it was like they were having an interaction or like a whole fucking like interaction about owing money or some shit and essentially what happened is uh it was so cold outside. Uh, I had a huge metal like security door. The hinges snapped on one of the door on the bottom part of it. So it just fucking like came off like this on the side. So the door was fucked. So at this point I was pissed off. So I was screaming at these fucking dudes. And I told them, I was like, yo, you need to get out of the restaurant right fucking now before I call the cops and all this shit. And uh, so the one guy that ordered the food, he turned and tried to run away from the fucking dude while I was talking to them. So like. Everybody was chill. I was talking to them. The one dude's like and just kinda of like fucking jets out pieces out or whatever while we're talking. And in <clears> the guy that video game. Of- yeah man, it's fucked. The guy jumped out of the SUV, that jumped out of the SUV, bro. He fucking books it after this guy, okay? And the guy that fucking ordered the food, he jumped in the driver's seat of the SUV, dude, that the guy fucking got in and went to go drive off in it, bro. And the fucking other guy that came and, like, broke the door, he jumped off, like, I was outside watching these guys, and the guy was in the fucking driver's seat, and the other dude was holding on to him, punching him in the fucking face, bro. And the guy was still driving off, and the door was open, and when they caught, like, a little bit of speed, the guy fell off and, like, rolled off and shit. And they just fucking drove off. And I found out after, the guy came up to me and asked me to call the cops, his girlfriend or wife was in the car in the passenger seat, and the guy just fucking drove off, dude. Like, it was so messed up, man. Like, so, so fucking messed up.
0: Yo, that's a, like, straight up out of, like, like you like you know this shit's real, but you don't realize this shit's real until it's, like, actually real, real. You know? Like, that's real stuff.
1: Good, <laughs> man. Like, it, like, I, like, when it happened, I couldn't even, like, <clears throat> process that all of that happened until I was telling my friends about it and stuff. And they're like, bro, like, what the fuck? Like, that's crazy. And I'm like, I guess it is. Like... <laughs> You know, like, it was so surreal that it all happened. And, like, like when the guy jumped in the vehicle, like, I, I obviously just froze. I didn't even know what to do. I'm like, what am I going to do? Like, also go jump in the vehicle and tear the guy off? Like, I mean, what use is that going to do? You know, like.
0: <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Golden Jenny's is hilarious. I'm not going to Canada. Yeah, I mean, Canada. I mean, Canada is just like everywhere else. It's got happy times. It's got moments like this. I mean, For me it's like a reminder that there is this whole other side of life that exists in complete tandem to the side of life that let's say i'm more privy to and it's just real like sometimes it's worth watching what you say because or who you get involved with because there might be consequences that are more real than you want to deal with one day
1: yeah exactly man you don't know anybody's backstory it's crazy these days anything could trigger anybody at any moment
0: wow that's fair i find there's ways to navigate that minefield by being a little cautious but it is definitely worth remembering that but yeah like fuck man i guess it's also like that small town mentality too right and i don't mean it in like that sense but if you're calling the north i'd never heard that man i would have called montreal the north but now i feel like Montreal's not north enough to be the north because you made me feel like i'm some city fucker by comparison (laughs) um And so it's like, yo, but that's like, cause yo, I, I realized that there's this idea that country and Southern Confederate America are like synonymous terms. And that's a a ridiculous idea where it's like, oh, say word, right. There's just like a whole country in Canada. Like, it's more prevalent, I guess, in my head. I would think Western Canada. But I suppose there's the northern parts. There's, like, small, small-town Quebec is what I call it. A super country. Like, and it's like, yeah, that's all really a thing. That's mad, like, rural life. It's mad different than, like, metropolis existences. But fuck me, eh? I bet that shit happens all over. I get, Yo, these motherfuckers actually do run up on each other for shit like maple syrup, right? Like... Like that's not hyperbolic. Like that's like million dollar industry crime shit. It's like the dairy industry is like linked to some nefarious characters. Like there's a different need to have a gun in the fucking middle of nowhere than there is in Montreal, is what I understand. Am I like involved in any of this? No. But man, have I heard stories from everybody who's got family that's involved in some industry or another up in the country? Like, yo, it's different out there, and and bears, as Bonnie just said, because my girlfriend comes from small town quebec is it's not like as north north as your north it's closer to montreal but like to me it's the same thing okay like to me it's like i don't see a huge difference but bears hey and yeah hell's angels runs heavy in the country like these are some different shits that are like not Um, as
1: actually our entire town is like completely well not completely populated but hell's angels have a huge portion of our town run like there's a street that's dedicated to all of them even like. I've at the pizza shop. They used to be some of our, um some of our like fucking customers. I used to go like when I had to go do deliveries myself. I had to go bring it to their clubhouse and shit all the time too. Like, they're pretty intense.
0: <laughs> yeah, man. I look at it like if you give them no reason to have beef with you, they have no beef with you. So I have no problems with their existence or anything. <laughs> They've. Well, I mean, um,
1: neither, neither do I. And honestly, like I find it like, you know, the thing is, is that people just think because of like a mean look and shit, you know, they just associate it with something like fucking like mean or like fucking criminal and shit. But like, they're like a family and like their brotherhood is fucking really real to them. And that's super like Big fucking facts. commendable and respectful, you know, like,
0: yeah, I mean, my dad growing up, uh, he had a friend who was, a, I don't know if he was in the house or if he was affiliated, but he was a legitimate biker. Like they do died of a heroin overdose in the storage locker room where he lived in. He was one of the, like, OG type, like, lived that life. Um, But, like, my dad was kind of affiliated, not, like, in any real sense, but, like, there's a bunch of pictures of him hanging out with bikers and shit, like, when I was young and whatnot. And so, like, you realize it's just, you know, people with business operations that may not be in line with your ethics and maybe some enforcement tactics that may not be in line with your ethics. But, like, I'm not going to pretend like they haven't done things that, people don't like or have been bad for other people because it is what it is Mm. but often i'm like man corporate america is pretty vile too so i don't really have any beef with any organization like that because it's not like Mm. apple's that good to you (laughs) you know like facebook isn't treating you nice either so it's like everybody's kind of mean these days in some degree if you want to look for it
1: yeah definitely but that's cool that you said
0: that I would, I would love to know what it would like. Personally, I would love to be the delivery guy to a Hells Angels clubhouse. Like that sounds like a a fucking experience and a half. Like, I don't know. That sounds funner than it might, might not be that fun, but it sounds funner in my like fantasy life.
1: (laughs) Honestly, like out of all the times that I've ever delivered there, like half the time it's like really like, (laughs) what do you want? (laughs) i'm i'm the pizza guy okay just wait a minute fucking slam the door get the pizza pay for it that's it slam the door and other times they bring you in they make you feel like fucking like (laughs) yo the pizza's here this is the pizza guy like you're the king of the whole fucking like thing you know it's hilarious it's it's funny because it's just pizza and shit right but it's like it's like gold sometimes in some cases you know like
0: (laughs) so it sounds like depending on what part of their high they're on (laughs) I mean, I'm just, I'm extrapolating, but I could be like, yo, if I'm like not in a good mood, but then I could see how like, if I'm like, you're in the good part of the drunk, it's the pizza guy. Let's get it. you know what I mean? Like that sounds fucking wild stills. Um, that's cool. So you're doing that for a minute. I guess you said seven years. Meanwhile, you're writing your poetries. You're doing your thing. And I believe you're karaoke because you said that that was the thing that was in your life. So are you also participating in karaoke culture at this point?
1: uh not as much cuz uh <clears throat> i think in sudbury we only have one bar that uh does karaoke and it's only like once a once a week or something um so at that point i wasn't uh as heavy in the karaoke um as i was before or i am at this moment
0: fair um all right, so I guess what happens else in the pizza phase or pizza store phase of your life that's worth mentioning before we move on to whatever follows the pizza store phase?
1: Uh, well, I could give you. <laughs> oh, gross! Okay, I thought of a really disgusting story to tell you. Actually, so really? there's this there's uh, <laughs> this lady that used to work there, and she was this. Uh... I think she was Russian. I think she must have been Russian um she's this russian lady she was super super kind uh she's our delivery driver but she was really like just absolutely fucking nasty like she didn't care about like like, self-hygiene or anything like she was like she was super nice like i want to be like the nicest person ever and say she was super nice because she was she had an awesome personality but she was just like gross to be around sometimes you know and so we had this one bathroom at work and um I don't even know how to explain this story. It's so fucking gross, dude. So, yeah, we have this one bathroom at work, and basically she was, like, on a diet of only eating food from from our restaurant for, like, a month. And, like, I don't care where you eat from. If you eat that specifically for a month, you're probably going to have the shits at some point in your life, right? And this lady, during her shift, she came, and I guess she already, like, shit her pants while she was on the way to the bathroom. So she, like, shit all over in her, like, inner her in her undergarment and stuff and there was a there's a uh fuck, a garbage in the bathroom but instead of putting it in the bathroom she walked out of the bathroom with it in her hands so she had it in her hands and she walked all the way to the front counter where there was fucking customers that we were serving and we were also making fucking, like subs like uh food and stuff and she decided to put it in that fucking garbage instead because she didn't want to stink the bathroom up because it was a small bathroom so that had happened that day, okay? And she clogged the toilet after that happened. So nobody was able to use the bathroom. Okay, so once the ba- the the whole fucking place was smelling like, like fucking dump, like basically it was disgusting. We get this fucking garbage bag out of there. It starts to smell a little bit better. And all of a sudden, it just like smells absolutely fucking horrible. Again, some, same smell. And we couldn't figure out why. We were looking everywhere, couldn't figure it out. We go in the basement. She blew the sub pump up, bro, with her dump. She fucking exploded the sub pump in the basement, and there was shit everywhere where we had to get rubber boots and fucking go down there and try to get as much stuff as we could salvage out of there. And we had to close for the night. Like, it was so much And it was like, man, this happened in a matter of, like, maybe, like, two or three hours. Like, it was messed up. She just came. She used the bathroom, and all of a sudden, we couldn't even use the restaurant. We had to close the restaurant down.
0: I don't know that I've ever heard a poop story that was quite so impactful and, like, a, like in a realistic way. Like, that's a powerful poop.
1: It really was, man. And, like, I couldn't even believe it. And, like, obviously, like, man, I, we were standing down there and we were just like, dude, like, did all this come from this fucking lady? Like, what the fuck? There was so much shit in the basement. It was so gross, man. Like, It was probably one of the worst experiences I've had in my life, like in a gross scenario, you know?
0: Yeah. But yeah, I had one, all I know is one time at work, I flushed the toilet and the water came up red and I said, fuck no. And I left the bathroom (laughs) and my mom happened to live next door. So I was all good in the hood, but like, oh my God, I will never forget looking at that. I'm like, nope, that that's, I don't want to clean that.
1: Oh, shit. That's stuff, dude. I would freak out. It'd be like a bad omen if it started coming out red and stuff. I was like, like blood coming.
0: Over the toilet. I mean, I figured out how it happened and somebody clogged the toilet with their, whatever they did. And it was like, are you fucking kidding me? And it was not my favorite moment in a bathroom and at work ever. Fair enough. That was by, I think that ranks as the most odd, like disgusting in a literal sense story that I, have that's, that's happened on this channel. That's, yeah, that's a first. And hey, y'all stuck with it. Y'all like gross shit. Fair enough. I'll keep that in mind. <laughs> um, What comes after the pizza phase? I don't mean it like in a bad way. It just that's the phase. It's a
1: good branding. Oh, yeah. It was definitely a phase in my life. So, yeah, after the pizza phase, I had like, uh, I don't know. I didn't really, I didn't really do much. I was just kind of like, you know, droning, experiencing life and stuff. And then uh, I had this, like, the thing is, is that in Sudbury, it's like a mining town, right? So if you're not a miner, you're not really doing much with your life besides droning by, you know? And I am never wanted to do that. I always felt like I was meant to do something greater, like as like self, like, you know, self, uh... sorry, to fix my chair. Um, Yeah, so I always felt like I was meant for something greater, you know, like I always just had this feeling like I was meant to do something more and I always just try to do something more than I'm able to do. So I had this point where I was like, you know what, I don't want to live in Sudbury because I I respect my town and I'll always put on for my town, but I need somewhere where there's more opportunity for me, you know. And my first choice was actually to move to Quebec. I had a friend that lives in Val d'Or, Quebec, and he was going to get me like a job out there or whatever. So I was like, I'm going to go there, save some money and start like working and shit, you know and uh yeah
0: you go to quebec to save money is that how it's known
1: (laughs) no no it's just that's where like my buddy was and was saving money so that was the only thing that was the only example i had at the time
0: (laughs) i was like i'm pretty sure quebec mad cheaper than ontario all things considered i don't know yeah ontario
1: was pretty fucked up for prices and stuff man like yeah
0: i like so my buddy moved to toronto and I'm like, I'll never forget the first time I went into like an IGA, right? Like, it's just, it's IGA, it's here, mm-hmm. and everything costs more. When I mean like everything, I mean almost every item costs like a dollar more. And I'm like, yo, that's like a lot, a lot more a month. When you really every every item cost a dollar more i'm like yo i don't know if i can afford toronto i'd need to make more money to actually go to toronto and have any semblance of the same standard of living that i have here in montreal
1: a hundred percent
0: yeah um, but
1: uh, yeah so like essentially what was going on is that like i wanted to move to like make money with my friend and stuff and i had some roommates that were living here and they worked uh, They worked in the dispensaries and stuff here in Toronto. And uh, basically, like, <laughs> what did that Was that pre or happening?
0: post-legalization?
1: Uh, that was pre-legalization.
0: So, all right, cool.
1: Yeah, so, uh, yeah, this was, like, in 2017 uh, that this happened. Is so, yeah, basically.
0: Like, just to, like, add context to the world, if I'm not mistaken, in Toronto, y'all was just running weed stores and getting busted before it was legal.
1: Yeah, we were just getting busted and opening again the next day. But, like, it was whatever.
0: (laughs) That's so different. You'll expand on that because, honestly, I wasn't like that in Montreal. It was very much not. They tried that, and one day the government said, fuck you, and it didn't happen one time.
1: Yeah, well, like, here, basically, what ended up happening is that they would just keep coming and raiding us, and they're they're just like, oh yeah, we're gonna keep raiding you until you're out of fucking business. And like, they don't realize that the people that were pumping money into these corporations were already millionaires and stuff, who's trying to make money and whatever. So like, even like when we were getting robbed by normal people at gunpoint and knife point and shit like that. I say like, what?
0: Like, Greg, you were like, getting robbed at the weed store.
1: Yeah, we would get robbed. at Like, dude, somebody brought a kitchen knife in one time and was, like, waving it around like a fucking idiot. But then, like, four other huge dudes came in behind him. So we were just, like, whatever. And we just fucking gave them everything, you know? Like, the thing is, is that those people that own those places make so much money. They told us they don't care about the product. The person that's working, like us, we're the most important thing to them, right? So, like, they had this system of things that it was, like, if you got caught in a raid, you would don't work for us again. But if you want to work for us a second time, What's going to happen is that you're not going to get off with our lawyers a second time. The first time you could get off with our lawyers, we'll pay and make sure that you don't have any criminal record or anything like that. But if you get raided a second time, you're completely on your own. So it was, that's the type of deal while you were going in that you knew what to expect type of thing, right? Did you get raided? Oh, I've never been raided that's lame. i've literally had i had two moments where i was supposed to be raided but there was one time i went to go party the night before which i never do and i got too drunk i had like alcohol poisoning the day after so i had to call in sick and the person who covered for me got fucking caught in the raid it was it was messed up man wow like so, so lucky but uh yeah so, so, so basically like, so you, you the cops
0: moved to toronto to sell weed Le- well, well yeah, quasi-legally so-
1: Yeah. It's sort of like, basically what happened is I just came here to visit. I just came here to visit my friends. Like they moved here, they were doing good. And I was like, yo, I'll come check out what you're doing. And as soon as I, okay. So I always, I always did this thing. Okay. So whenever I'm driving in cars or on the sidewalk, I like to yell at people. Like, I just like, I'm like a high energy person. I just like to get people's energy. Like, you know, I just like, I just like yelling at people and getting people on their toes type of thing. Like I'm just random like that, you know? And honestly, I was here in Toronto one night with my friends and we were out. I forget where we were exactly, um, but we were walking by. We just grabbed some hot dogs, street meat's the best meat in, in Toronto, hundred percent. Just walking by some, uh, got some hot dogs. And I screamed at this dude and he yelled back at me and he's like, yo, blah, blah, blah. And I just like felt at home, you know? And like, we were all having like, just like a, a huge community of people just yelling and having a great time. Just on this fucking intersection where we're all waiting across the road. And that was like completely mind blowing to me. And I was like, you know what? I felt like weird when I was in Sudbury and now I don't feel like I'm weird at all. I feel like we're all fucking weird together and it's a beautiful thing, you know? (laughs) So I came here at that point and that's when I decided, you know what? I'm going to start fucking selling weed because that's something that I've done before. I was like, it's something that I know. I know cannabis, but the thing is, is that, So I had actually had an experience in the dispensary that completely changed my outlook on cannabis itself. And like, we were, we were like doing our thing. And at first I was like, yeah, I think we're making money. And like, we're selling weed, like, whoa, whoopty shit, you know? And fucking, I had this lady one day come in and I think she must've been in her seventies or eighties or something, at least like her lady seventies. And uh, we had this ginormous security door because like I said, we had people rob us all the time. So. We needed this huge door to make us feel safe, you know, <laughs> the illusion. But, uh yes, yeah, so we had this lady come in, and she could barely open the door. So we helped her in. I spent, I think, like 45 minutes speaking to this lady um about, like, the benefits of, like, uh, CBD and, like, cannabis and stuff like that. Um, and it was, like, that experience that I had with her was a lot different from the experience that I had with, like, millions of other people that I, um like, had an interaction with. Because, like, every time I was, like, oh, was, like, let me get two grams, blah, blah, blah. I was like, yo, what's going to get me the most stoned? Like, I just want to fucking do this, blah, 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 and all that type of shit, you know, like, which there's nothing wrong with that, but that's just how it regularly is, right? And I just had an experience where it was just like, I was explaining to this lady and introducing her into the world of cannabis, but she was so scared of THC. She didn't want to get high. She just wanted CBD. So I had to like be her, like, what are they called? Like a Sherpa or whatever, and like, kind of like guide her like, on her, on her path, and what ended up happening is, like, a few months after that, she came into the store, and she didn't have her cane with her, she didn't fucking need help opening the door, and I ominously didn't even recognize her when she came in, like, she was, like, a completely different person, and she's, like, she, like, pointed me out, and she's, like, oh, I want to talk to him, and, like, I served my customers, and she came and, sp- like, spoke to me, and she's, like, oh, like, I'm so uh, thankful for, like, you introducing me to CBD, like, I was so weary about it, but, like, Like, it's been so amazing for my life. Like, I've been able to, like, move a lot better and shit like that. And I'm like, man, like, that hit me so much more different than just being there and, like, selling weed at that point, you know? That was when I was, like, I'm, like, prescribing cannabis to people. I'm no longer selling weed. I just evolved into prescribing cannabis to people. And it was, like, a really, like, much better feeling than what I was doing before.
0: Mm. I appreciate that. I talked to a dude that does, like, um... He worked in the medical cannabis research and was involved in like looking into cancer cures and shit and it's like yeah it's not the same thing as like when i cop weed (laughs) and the conversation i'm like yo listen this is the budget i want the optimal amount of not bullshit that i can get for this budget And that's it. That's as far as it goes for me. And if it's bullshit, well, we don't talk again on that conversation because you, you failed the one mission. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's serious. Yo, do you get free weed if you work there? Or do you have to buy your weed
1: if you work there? Uh, well, so I actually uh... – my journey ended up bringing me back to a legal dispensary recently i just got hired at a government (laughs) dispensary like two weeks ago (laughs) but uh before when we were in the other dispensaries like it was the first dispensary i worked in um fucking we got like i forgot what it was i think it was like a 15 percent discount but then we got like a half quarter a day for free so we were just able to take like a fucking half quarter and just fucking smoke right. it and shit. Like, would, you're saying honestly, you like... got
0: a free three five every day i had to like think about it a quarter is a seven right so then that would be yeah. three and a half grams for free
1: yeah we just got, oh like God. honestly like, every day was like i've
0: never heard of a man, job man, benefit that would ever, been 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 ever been make been me go like bro you know, that's dope you
1: know, stuff? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, when I worked at the, at the dispensary with my roommates and stuff, bro, it was basically, like, we were just blitzed every day. We used to have these little, like, witch cauldron like, uh, with, like, they're called sea vaults or whatever, and you put these uh Bovita packs in them, they're humidity packs. And we used to have, like, 40 different kinds of fucking weed, like, one grammars of each and just have it in this cauldron. And, like, one day we're like, hey, what do we want to smoke today? Fucking Indica, Sativa, Hybrid. And then we have Hash, Shatter, like, literally everything. And then we got people coming into those shops and they're like, Hey man, fucking my grandma makes brownies. Do you want to fucking try my brownies? And I sit there and I munch a whole brownie at work and I'm fucking mangled and stuff. <laughs> you know, like it just, it was, it was good then, but at the government shops, you can't do that. You need to be more, uh, like, uh, professional because you represent the government. It's like uh, working at an LCBO or something like that, right? So, like, what,
0: does your government have like shops now? I thought they were like online only.
1: Um, so they don't have their own physical shop. I don't think as far as I know, uh, but they have, uh, they licensed a bunch mm-hmm. of like, uh, private. like so
0: what you're saying is all uh, the privatized Ontario dispensaries in theory represent the government by uh, virtue of selling weed legally.
1: Exactly. Like they have a lot of uh, procedures that they have to follow and uh, bylaws and stuff like that. And like, uh, like we can't be we can't be high at work with like fucking, you know what it is, you know.
0: <laughs> Do they drug test people who work at the weed store?
1: Um, I don't think they go that far. Um, until it'd be like so. Like for myself, we're in an area that's not like super crazy populated. But I think if it was like a like one where they have like everybody looks like you know they're wearing the same uniform it's like almost oh like i know shirt exactly
0: shirt. what you're talking about it's the creepiest shit you don't want to buy weed like it's a luxury watch it's fucking weird
1: exactly man it's it's those places that are like the uh, yeah <laughs> those are the places that they're going to be a monitor more and stuff and even like man i did not even know this before but like the guy was telling me that i work with now that like so like before, when I worked at the uh, illegal dispensaries, it was like the guy who runs the show, who puts his money into it, he's the one watching you over the phone, obviously, right? So now at this point, when I'm working there, that guy that's putting his money into it and running the show, that's the government now. And fucking the guy explaining to me, he says, while you're working in the government dispensaries here, the guy who like the, the owns the actual company, he has access to the cameras, and so does the government of Ontario. They, they're able to watch any store at any time that they want
0: say fucking word that's like some next level security concerns if we think about privacy from like the privacy data concern perspective where i don't know people are fully aware of that although that might just be like a standard thing in like government facilities that like are not cognizant of but that would mean in theory various governmental agencies can just spy on you in the weed store say a word that's useful that's useful knowledge i think for people that may want to be like super low-key about they shit you know what i mean mm.
1: um like even yeah even as a customer too in the weed store like man like
0: just I, be careful <laughs> i know that my, my homeboy is in toronto like i said and uh when we went down last time it was like 2019 um and he was telling me some shit. Like, this is when the dispensaries had just started opening. There was still, like, four of them in the city at this point or some shit like that. It was fucking weird. And you could just buy weed online or whatever. But he was telling me it would go as far as to turn off his fucking GPS and shit before he would go into the weed store. And he refused to, like, walk it. And I'm like, I don't know if that was so necessary, sir. But now you're saying this, and I'm like, yeah, fair enough. I mean, to be fair, it's very clear if you are like Google Maps stops at the store and disappears, comes back. <laughs> you know, like it's super clear, but you know, that's fucking that's serious stills. Um so, so Yeah.
1: I like honestly, I'll say I'll say this out of experience. So I like after what ha- um after I started working like in the dispensaries and stuff and like uh, legalization happened in 2018 in October, um basically like the guy who ran the the shops i used to work at he just he wanted to go legal so he shut everything down right away because he was worried that if he got caught again he wouldn't you know be able to be legal type of thing so um what ended up happening is that he fucking told one of his business partners to get in contact with me and i became this like uncertified business consultant for fucking dispensaries so we ended up opening four dispensaries and i could tell you out of personal experience that I don't, like, the cops aren't, like, looking for, like, people in specific, or, like, they don't necessarily really fucking care about the dispensaries here. What they did care about is the people complaining about them. So, like, I've had four or more dispensaries in different areas in Toronto, and I could tell you I had two of them that never got raided once, and they were open for more than a year, you know? Mm. And it's, like, it's just because we made good, like rapport with the community there. Like one of them was in Kensington market and it was just like everybody yeah, Kensington that...
0: market. If I understand it, that's Stonerville.
1: Yeah, sort of. Yeah. The community, they don't really like having a bunch of dispensaries and shit there though. Cause they say it looks kind of trashy and stuff, but they are mostly Stonerville. They're just like a bunch of hippies and stuff. chilling. Bro, it's it's
0: colorful. It's restaurants. It's got the THC cafe place. It,
1: I mean, yeah. <laughs> But the thing though is that like we had our store there, and then there was another store on the corner called lit Paper in Class, and that place got raided like maybe like nine times, like fucking in one week, man. Like they got raided so many times, and we never got raided, and we were like fucking seven doors down away from this place. But it's because nobody complained about us because I made it a point that everybody I would go talk to everybody, and I just be friends with everybody. Like fucking I go smoke juice with half of the people that work in that whole area, you know, like. Like I brought business cards to those places and they're fucking literally taking my business cards and throwing the other people's business cards in the garbage just because they like how I am as a person compared to other people, you know?
0: Yeah. That is like the biggest knowledge nugget of this whole interview right there. Um, yeah. Especially cause you went into somebody's community that you're not from. Right. Mm-hmm. And you brought in something that's high risk. It's a weed store. And so evidently, if you're gonna open up a high risk endeavor, it's mad important to be good with the locals. And then you took the time to like integrate into the community and almost normalize it. And I'm gonna just assume the other weed store didn't do that. And as a result, maybe people didn't like them. Maybe their attitudes were different. Maybe you guys were friendlier. I don't know what all the nuances were, but that's super interesting that you took that time, put that effort in and it resulted in you not having problems. But what about the other ones? How come there were problems? You weren't able to smooth that community?
1: <laughs> well, some of the other ones, they were like, uh, there was one that, holy fuck, man. And so, this one that we had, it was like uh, further uh, north of Toronto and like it's still in Toronto or whatever. But uh, basically, this place was right across from a fucking government building because the guy who like like picked the place doesn't it wasn't like the brightest person in the world or whatever (laughs) and we used to get bro we got raided three times once in a day or whatever and fucking like that was brutal and then we kept getting robbed by the same fucking group of dudes because their security guard just didn't give a shit and he just like we had a camera they'd look at and then you'd buzz them in and you could literally see people bannied up on the camera and the guy just fucking buzzes them in anyways and just like that place was really bad and there was just like there was no opportunity to talk to the community or anything like that. There, like, the thing is, is that Kensington Market is like, it's a different type of place there because like, like you're able to go, see all of these people, talk to these people, and you know they're already doing their things, whatever. Compared to some of the other places, they were like more of people coming there to work, like they're not like dedicated to the area. You know what I mean? Like they just come there to work at their store. And then they, they leave and fucking drive home or whatever. And then you got residential area in the back, you know, and I'm not going to knock at people's door. <laughs> Be like, yo, I got a weed shop. What's up? <laughs> mm. yo, yeah. So I have a
0: question. <clears throat> if your illegal weed dispensary gets robbed, do you call the police?
1: The illegal one? Yeah. No. No. If So if the <laughs> illegal dispensary gets robbed or if they get uh, raided by the cops, uh, we just refill it. Like, uh, what the situation with the police, we wait until their warrants are done because we usually get a copy of their warrant or whatever because they have to present a warrant, right? So we get a copy of their warrant and we see when it goes up. So it's like a 24-hour warrant. Well, as soon as that warrant's up, we literally open up the next day. If the warrant's for, like, fucking four hours, for example, which never happens, then it's like when that four hours is done, we're opening back up. We don't give a shit. The same thing with... Bro, we got robbed and then fucking... We spent, like, an hour, like sitting down with, like, the staff and shit, making sure, like, everybody was okay. And then whoever still wanted to work, they can. Everybody else could go home, do whatever, you know, paid the rest of the day for them. And, uh, yeah, we just opened up, like, an hour later. We fucking brought all the product back in and shit.
0: So what you're saying is people rob your weed, and then the main supply of weed is so big that it doesn't fucking matter.
1: Yeah, it doesn't matter. Like, even, like, the cops, like I said, writing our places three times a day, it didn't really, like it doesn't matter <laughs> like they they take all the money they take all the product and sure it sucks watching that all like leave and stuff like as the person working there but when you're looking at the grand scale of everything there's still a lot more behind the scenes
0: you know it makes you have like context for when they like brag about drug seizures and try to make it sound like epically fucking cool you know like it's like oh shit word so y'all took 0.0001 percent of their shit (laughs) no that's fair so you're running that for a while and i guess in the middle of all this is 2018 when you get into music right because legalization somewhere around then and whatever so what makes you get back into like music
1: well so Essentially, I had, at the starting of 2018, uh, I was running, like, a a few of, like, uh, the shops and stuff, and, like, I was making, like, good money, obviously, and uh, (laughs) I was like, man, I've fucking done a bunch of things, and I just want to, like, fucking, like, you know, fucking do more with my life a little bit, and I was like, you know what, I have a bunch of things, like, I want to do. I was like, you know what? I'm going to fucking start nailing off some stuff on my bucket list just for the fuck of it, you know? And I was like, I never got a tattoo. I was like, I'll get a tattoo. I was like, I've never been skydiving. Oh, no. No, what I'll go is skydiving. your tattoo? Oh, I got, I got three tattoos now. I don't know if you'll be able to see this, but I, see. I got one tattoo right here. That
0: looks cool. It looks like mushrooms.
1: Here, see if I can make it. I might be. I'm like... bad at uh, camera navigating here. I'll just flip my fucking camera. I don't know what I'm doing here. <laughs> There you go. Yeah, so it's called uh this one's called learning to share and it's uh pot leaves and mushrooms and they're all growing oh, it from is like the mushrooms.
0: Same... I'm glad it's mushrooms cuz I was
1: like just like, please be mushrooms.
0: Oh, that's a hand.
1: Yeah, it's a reaper hand.
0: Oh, that's cool. And like that's a weed leaf in the middle, eh?
1: Yeah. So yeah, I got uh, that one and then I got uh I have another one on the back of uh the same arm uh that one I can't really show you much, I don't think.
0: Still looks no. cool outline wise.
1: It has uh, a little, it's um, a Canadian leaf, like a maple oh, leaf. and then it's, uh, it's like an
0: open mouth with the tongue and shit, and it's drippy. Yeah, can, uh,
1: <laughs> like that.
0: <laughs> That's wild. That's cool that you did and that, then, though.
1: Just yeah, like... then the last one that I have is on my shoulder. It's uh, uh, my girlfriend really likes uh, Egyptian history and stuff. Uh, so I got uh, the Eye of Ra, uh, but on the inside of it, I got the Sharingan from Naruto because I watched a lot of Naruto growing up as a child.
0: Say a word, man. I like that. I like that it all tells stories about you and the things you care about.
1: But uh, yeah, so I was like, I, oh yeah, and also um, I never been in a plane, never, I never took a plane ride, and the first thing I did was jump out of one. I went to decide to go skydiving. I was like, fuck it, I'm going bigger, going home, type of thing. I was like, I'm going skydiving. Uh, I'm getting a tattoo. So, sorry, I'm just fixing my chair. <laughs> Dude, so, yeah, I like when I was getting my, the whole time,
0: Matt, you can fidget all you want. I'm good with it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, I was getting my tattoo, and uh, it was actually the first one I showed you. And it was like a five hour session, right? And I was sitting there, and I was this guy was just talking to me, and he has a really good bedside manner, like this tattoo artist. I've been to him three times, and I absolutely love it. Like, the way he talks to you and yeah, stuff is just a great. Who is he? Uh King Panther, uh with yeah, King Panther Studios. Um he goes under no uh, no ID tattoo on uh, Instagram. You can check him out. Um he does a lot of awesome awesome work and he's also um a teacher. He teaches uh painting and stuff like that too. Oh man, like this guy's great great artist. He started out as a painter and then became a tattoo artist later on, so a lot of the stuff he does is like very meticulous and like portrait, like, you know, it's, it's awesome.
0: Yeah. It's mad fresh,
1: but, uh, yeah. So I was in this guy's chair and, uh, I was talking to him about my life and stuff and I was telling him about how I used to have such a passion for music and then I kind of just like disappeared and kind of just got drowned out by the other stuff in my life. And, uh, he was telling me, he's like, you know, if you have a passion for something, it's like, you gotta do it. He's like, like I moved here. Uh, cause he's like, he's Indonesian uh, and he moved here, became a hotel, uh, like worked at a hotel, sorry. And then became the hotel, a hotel manager for like quite a few years. And then he realized he wasn't happy. And he's like, that's when I started to do tattoos and you know, like, I'm happy again. And he's like, that's what you need to do. You need to become happy again. And while doing my tattoo, he's like, I actually have a producer that lives, uh, above me, like in the unit above me or whatever. He's like, you want me to go get him i'm like no man you don't have to do that like as if and the guy literally like put down his fucking his tattooing needle put it down goes upstairs gets this guy comes downstairs and i got introduced to him and that's basically when i made uh, my first song razor blades and steak knives is uh jaron benton remix and uh <clears throat> i had that song written for a long time and it's always a song of mine always like high energy and kind of like it shows off like my goofy, morbid side kind of thing, you know, but like my lyricism is there. So um, I have a question. <clears throat> what's it?
0: Define lyricism.
1: Uh, I've in my opinion for lyricism for me is uh, if you're able like to twist and manipulate words and make things like being able to like man lyricism actually means a lot of things for me. <laughs> being able to paint a story Right, but still at the same time being able to like fucking twist some stuff up, like some M Night Shyamalan shit, you know, like. Fair. Yeah, I mean,
0: I I mean, it's it's a big question for me right now. I saw some kid in an interview, who's one of the little ones. I don't remember which one, but it would be in the mumble rap world, depending on who you asked, and Hmm. he was like, why the way he framed the, the concept of lyrical is that more words is not better. No. And that often what ends up happening is people shit on great lyricism that they overlook due to brevity and they, they don't understand the concept of it. And so like in a lot of cases, lyrical gets perceived as like over the top in a sense. And that like anything that's not that doesn't necessarily get included in the concept of lyrical. That's why I'm just I'm fascinated by what people define it as. Not a lot of people use the word around and in, in the interview context. So I was curious.
1: Yeah, and it's like the thing too is that like okay. I strongly like that's why I call myself rhythm and poetry, right? I strongly believe in the poetry aspect of things too. So in a in a lyrical kind of aspect uh, point, it's like like I said, being able to paint that that picture or being able to like twist and manipulate words in a way that it it sounds. Dope. <laughs> you know, just not as simplified, you know.
0: <laughs> mm, I hear what you're saying. In defense of some of the simple stuff, sometimes it's not simple. We just don't know what the jargon means.
1: Oh, 100%. Yeah, because yeah, people have stuff that fucking we don't know what it means because they grew up in certain places that we have not you know.
0: Bro, I used to try to do album reviews for Griselda shit. And these motherfuckers flat out said, you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. I'm talking about comment people, right? Not like Griselda, but like the common people are like, bro, you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Every bar is local fucking Buffalo slang and you either get it or you don't, and they don't give a shit. And I'm like, fair. I'm not going to try that hard to understand every West Side gun bar. I'm just going to let him do his <laughs> thing because it does mean shit. A lot of the times I find we just don't always understand the meaning.
1: It's true.
0: But yeah, that's why I was curious. But I, I guess like that, I want to be clear. I'm on. I'm speaking about the idea of how there is sometimes misperceptions in really good art that is culturally not understood. There is also some really vapid shit that's just commercial product. And that also really is a valid thing. So to differentiate between commercial product and like art piece is a super fair differentiation to make.
1: Mm-hmm. For sure.
0: Um, How did you come up with that name? Like, when did you become RAP? Were you always RAP?
1: No, um, man, (laughs) I went. So I don't even remember exactly how this name came up, but uh, I think my my brother and I we were just making like a joke when we were younger, and I just made like this Young MC name as a kid, and I went as PP Legit. 'Cause I, th- I think I it was like I had to take a piss or something. I was like, yo, I need to PP like legit. And he's like, Yo, that sounds like a sip rap name or something. <laughs> so I just I used that name for a little bit, but I was like, like I said, I was never like really doing any shows or anything. I'm just like freestyling. But whenever I wrote, I was like, Yo, PP legit, all this shit, blah blah blah, whatever. And then um yeah, when I was you know
0: what though? Just it sounds legit. It doesn't sound like an illegitimate name. <laughs>
1: It doesn't, right? Like, (laughs) it sounds like it was kind of, you know? But yeah, so, like, basically what ended up happening is just, like, I was just chilling. And like I said, at one point I got more, because, like, like we were talking about uh, before, like, I was never really, like, partial to rap or anything like that, right? So when I was trying to dive more into hip-hop and kind of, like, the background and all of that, um, I just fell upon, like like the meaning of actual like rap of like rhythm and poetry, right? And like at that point I didn't really care if other people had the same name as me or not. That's why in a lot of my descriptions I go as the Canadian rapper RAP instead of just RAP or whatever. It's probably but, a um, better
0: like official name to register as. Yeah, yeah for sure.
1: Um but yeah man, like actually just- well, if you type it R. stylistically
0: R dot A dot P
1: Mm -hmm. nothing
0: came up but you so maybe you might be the only guy that has it as r.a.p
1: yeah i've noticed a lot of people have the the period after the p2 like the three periods or whatever so
0: yeah because there was no extra period i was like damn kind of you got to watch for those things when you're trying to like put titles and shit otherwise people get mad at (laughs) you and call you on it
1: But uh yeah, so like uh when I was freestyling and shit before as a teenager, my friends always said I had really good flow and stuff like that. So like rhythm like rhythm and flow was like a thing for me. And then poetry was a thing I always did, so it just happened to be rhythm and poetry and that's just how I ended up becoming that. Mm. <laughs> it.
0: I mean, I like it. It's a really clear mission statement of who the fuck you are and what you're about in a lot more direct ways than a lot of other people's names where you're not a hundred percent sure what it conveys like my rap name is my literal government name it don't tell you shit R A P told me exactly what the fuck kind of rapper you were without hearing a damn song I fucking swear I just saw your rap name and I'm like oh he that kind of rapper and then you were that kind of rapper and it was it was like completely exactly in the realms of my expectations and I was like that's a surprisingly effective fucking rap name, all things considered. Appreciate that. Yeah, no, I mean, I don't know if anyone else disagrees, but if you know what Rhythm and Poetry is in terms of that acronym in particular, it's like, yeah, that makes sense. Um, so so you basically in a tattoo shop and end up in the first song position. And then at that point, what do you do? What comes next? Oh,
1: well, at that point, basically, in that studio session for that first song, like, um, so like when the first songs I started putting out and I wasn't really like a fan of like doing hooks, I just liked like fucking pouring out like a full verse on like a four minute song, you know, just because I, I had so much to say and I just wanted to say it all. But then I ended up realizing it was harder to memorize some of my songs when I'm just fucking rapping for four straight minutes straight. Right. Word. Yeah, exactly, man. So, <laughs> um, my razor blades and steak knives I actually did it in one full take I didn't have to punch in anywhere else in the song and that made me feel like really good and really proud and when I got the song done I was just like this is where I need to be you know this is what I need to do I'm like fucking right like I'm 100% dedicated to doing this and then we made a second song uh, called uh oh and it was like a um, another remix song and at that point uh the guy who had mixed my music uh, took probably around two months to get me, get back to me with one of my songs. And that really turned me off from. Oh, I know that one. Yeah. It really turned me off from making music because I was like, wow, if this is how it's going to be, like, fuck this shit. You know what I mean? Like, not that I'm impatient, but like, I just made a baby like two fucking months oh. ago. I think the doctor holding your baby at the hospital for two fucking months, you know? I and then you're like, okay, swear. you can see it.
0: That is. So, that is That's the most like shit.
1: I met I met this producer I'm working with now, and uh, he was just on Facebook. This fucking dude randomly messaged me on Facebook, and he's like, "Yo, I seen that you have musician under your name, like uh, your bio or whatever." He's like, "Do you make music?" And I'm like, "Yeah, I still do." And he's like, "Do you need somewhere to record?" And I'm like, "Fuck yeah, man!" And I went and met this guy, not knowing what to expect, because he just messaged me off Facebook. Like, I thought maybe I was gonna get fucking killed or something you know like random shit. i show up you know what i laugh like
0: that but then i think about your restaurant stories and i retract my (laughs) laugh
1: yeah so like i went there bro and i'm not gonna lie like i love the place but like the the outside of it is also not very welcoming like i i I got to this the side of the building i'm like bro what the fuck is this place But I got in there, bro, and like, holy shit, like, the people there are so nice, and they're so willing to work with everybody, and we made the first song, and as soon as I had my first song mixed and mastered, it was done the minute that I was leaving, like, I did it in an hour, I fucking recorded everything, and then in the other hour afterwards was mixed, mastered, that's it, that's all, and I had a finished song, and at that point, I sat there, and I looked at the guy, and I was like, dude, like... I want to come back here every week and I want to make a song with you every single week and put it out. Like, can we keep doing this? And he's like, yeah. He's like, as long as you have the money to pay for studio time, he's like, I'll give a shit. He's like, I like work. Classic. I'm like, bro. And then after that. I I want to like
0: pause. That is so important though. As long as you have the money to pay the man to do the work, you can get the deed done. That's a big lesson. I'm not going to ever say names like that, but I know people who have flat out been like, couldn't get free shit so fuck this i'm gonna go look till i can get free shit and i'm like all right do you
1: yeah exactly
0: i mean look there are free opportunities out there but i can tell you one thing (laughs) free takes three months every time
1: oh my god yeah bro that's the thing though it's like free is gonna come knocking at your door too though right if you're looking for free that's the fucking issue that's that's the issue a lot of people have person they're looking for free, Ooh, needs free collateral
0: that's true well, eh? should... it comes knocking at your door when you're not looking that's facts i had a free pop-up by accident and it blew my mind but i did not ask for the free i was like are you sure he said yeah and i'm like you sure like because to me it's baffling but that's a good point actually i got free i got free beats for all this contest and shit i'm doing one of the dudes um it all came from this conversation how much for a beat for a contest and apparently so few people have ever used the words how much for a beat in his life that he just couldn't charge me and i'm like oh say a word and it's been really nice that like he's been really involved since but it made me like realize that when i talk to a lot of these i'm gonna call them like if you're at work in a project they'd be the resource roles like the people who are required to like complete the project the beat maker the engine like these are all like roles that are required to make the rapper project a thing mm-hmm. um they all talk about how few people are willing to like throw money down on that shit, and like how like free everybody is about it and i'm like oh that's like it, like it adds context for me for why maybe some people had the attitudes they do but like yeah um i find that people respond really well to you paying them to do their shit. <laughs> They just do they respond really well to that they'd go above and beyond even sometimes if you pay for it
1: yeah and they feel like you know they're actually like they're valued in what they're doing and stuff and like man i even had one time dude i was so happy with the dude i fucking tipped him an extra 100 bucks for no fucking reason you know like it's like
0: bro, just, i don't know man you tipped a hundred that's i'm not that generous but i respect it so much I just don't know if I'm that generous. <laughs> <laughs> I see the lights. That's cool. Um, so fresh. You meet the next man. You start banging out. How long do you run this? Did you? How long do you run the weekly song thing for?
1: Uh, I did it up until December of um, last year, um, and then when all the lockdowns started getting a lot more serious in Ontario and shit like that, then Like, uh, we weren't able to go to the studio. It was locked down for a few weeks.
0: So how many weeks was it that you ran that?
1: Oof. Uh, At least 17 or 18 weeks.
0: So you're saying that 18 weeks in a row in, like, 2020, you showed up at the studio, did the whole song. How are you getting beats and all that?
1: uh some of the beats were just like from uh like my friend beatmakers and shit like that um there's a few like when i started uh making like putting music out you'll see like the first uploads i have a few of them are remixes and stuff like i have a few like uh, remixes of like Jaron benton right, right. uh like necro beats i have two necro beats that i remixed and stuff like that and it's just like and then you got... a lot of sorry a-, a few of the beats that i was getting um People were just contacting me and they're like, yo, we used to rap together in high school. Fucking, I still make beats. Check this out. And then they'd throw me like five beats and I'm like, bro, this one beat's pretty sick. I could probably make something to this and fucking, I make something to that. That's it.
0: (laughs) Bro, that is some crazy, you water some fucking seeds in high school and they fucking grow flowers 15 years later. Shit, if I ever heard it, you never really fucking know who's going to pop in your life like that. That's incredible. So you get this over but you still run this 18 tracks in a fucking row or whatever and you're doing this week over week over week um and you started in 2018 so it's kind of dibble-dabbly and then you're trying to figure stuff out until you kind of land on this situation where it like picks up in in speed
1: yeah i think uh between uh when i dropped my first track and when i started putting all the tracks out uh weekly i think there was probably about a year and a month maybe before I started pumping like everything out and then it was just like can't stop me <laughs>
0: in addition to like releasing stuff with with the fury are you also performing at this time or are you just kind of like doing the put in track out and get the next one out thing
1: um I have not been performing uh, I've been doing some like live like uh like Instagram live and stuff like that performances are just like screwing around practicing some of my songs and stuff, but I haven't done anything like like public yet. Um so yeah, I've been basically just writing uh, and putting more songs out and stuff. I uh like I made myself a goal at the starting of this year. Sorry, my guinea pigs are just running around right now. Um yeah so made, <laughs> sorry, they make weird noises and stuff and oh, just yeah, run around. It's
0: dope. You got <laughs> guinea pigs. It is what it is. Is your it's the Twitch world. It's okay. <laughs>
1: Um, but, yeah, I made myself a, a, a plan uh, this year to put 20 singles out and put my album out. And right now I'm at, I think, like, 9 or 10 singles. So I have 10 more left by the end of the year. But now I have an EP coming out that nobody was expecting that I'm going to be dropping in two months too. Oh, so, way. like, I mean, I did, yeah, I've just been, like, doing as much work as I can and trying to get the most of what I can right now. And, like, the I just had uh, a song drop. Um, on my record label's uh, YouTube page uh, called Smoke Break. And uh, that's two of our newest artists. And I, like, like scouted the label. whole thing. Uh, yeah, I started my own record label. Like, we're in the midst of starting everything up.
0: Uh, I'd say, what? How did you start a record label? That's just like, oh, in the middle of nowhere. I started a record label. Psh, no big okay.
1: deal. Well, it's not like it's not like fully functional and started yet, but like, we're, everything's already made like the roots are already all in place and stuff. And, uh, basically like, I don't know, I just, a friend of mine actually made a really good point of this. Of being, like, I just had a moment where like, I was just kind of sick of like fucking making other people money and like, you know, using my talents, whatever it is, like, even like if it's like janitorial work or my, my, my skills at uh, being a manager and stuff like that, like I feel like people just take advantage of it regardless of like, you know, how nice people are to you at the end of the day, they still need something from you. You know what I mean? And like, that's okay to a certain extent, but I was just like, fuck this. I'm not waiting for somebody to tell me I'm good enough to be on a record label. I'm going to fucking open my own record label and we're going to make it good enough to be at the same heights as those record labels that I would want to be with, you know? and at that point i was just like i've had enough i want to gather people i've had enough and right now the whole team of people that i have were literally all just people the thing is, is that we're all just people who have talents in different like like aspects of this, and who just didn't really have faith in in ourselves like by ourselves but i came in and pumped that faith into everybody and as a unit we're such a good fucking positive group of people to be working with And it's just like, I couldn't ask for a better group of people to be working with right now.
0: Is it like local shit or is it like an internet thing?
1: Uh, so it's all people that I know personally right now, uh, we're going to be bringing in like more shit later on. Uh, but basically I was just trying to look for people. Uh, like I have like a producer who is like, he has a background in EDM and he's now just trying to get into hip hop. Um, so now we're like, we're bringing them into, into hip hop and he he already has a background in producing, so he already knows how to, like, do shit, you know, we use the producers, like, uh, all of the, the fucking apps and all that stuff that you need to use. Uh, he knows how to use those, like, all, all that stuff, and basically, um, he just needs, like, guidance in, like, a hip-hop direction. Like, my brother and I, like, my brother listened to me rap for a lot of my life and stuff, so, like, he, he has a lot of more hip-hop background than I do. So he'll sit there and he'll be like, "Yo, like this has to be like a, a Lupe Fiasco type beat," and then he'll try to like beatbox a certain thing or whatever, and try to make it like that, you know. So we're like, we're all teaching each other stuff that we're all good at, but we're all still trying to learn and like expand on.
0: Mm. I just brought up the local thing because Factor pumped a whole bunch of money into grants. Y'all should be looking into. <laughs> i'm not even kidding that's how canadian labels do their shit <laughs> they just get grant money if you can justify the case boom grant money's on the table and uh you don't have like you have ontario grants right that's like see like i'm an anglophone in quebec there's no quebec grants for me that's not a thing so it's just canada grants but if you should check out the grant situation maybe you get a couple of racks to get some shit going <clears>
1: oh <throat> yeah because like um I'm the only one living in Toronto right now. We got most of the people are living in Sudbury, and then we got a guy in, uh, I think, Newfoundland. You're all Canadian. Newfoundland and and Quebec.
0: You know, you're all good. You're all Canadian. Yeah, we're all Canadian. Canadian. Who's in Quebec? Uh,
1: Our photo editor. He's the one that does all our backgrounds for YouTube stuff and all our... uh...
0: That's so weird. You guys are thought everything through resource wise and put together. Like I need all these pieces of a puzzle. I got to put that together to get it done. Respect.
1: Yeah. I even had a, I have a friend of mine that uh, he went to school. Uh, like I went to school in elementary school with him, And then we kind of like, I went to a different high school and I didn't talk to him for a long time. And uh, I seen like, I still had him on Facebook. I seen that he went to uh, school to become a lawyer and he wasn't doing anything during COVID. So I messaged him and I have a fucking lawyer for my fucking record label like you know like just random ass
0: shit yeah that's probably one of the smartest things i heard somebody say in terms of finding a person i don't think many of us look that far into the lawyer friends i found a financial advisor friend though so i feel kind of blessed on that front and i see where you're coming from like knowing you got a guy whose job it is to tell people how to spend money properly in your corner
1: phew, it's big
0: you know it's helpful helpful shit um and um That's fresh. What's your label thing going to be called if you have a name for it?
1: Uh, So we're calling it Mediocre Poet Poet Productions. That's what we're going to be called. Mm,
0: That's that shit on your Instagram. That makes way more sense now.
1: Yeah, we're going to be Mediocre Poet Productions.
0: I like it. I like that. There's a humility in that. Um, So your album came out very recently, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And that's all, like, how do you go about, like, making an album during COVID? What's that like?
1: Well, um, I know, like, I didn't make, like, a full album, like, before in my life. It was more like a homemade rap CD, but it had, like, 14 tracks on it. So I consider it (laughs) sort of like a mixtape of sorts, you know? But, uh, so, yeah, that was, like, all in, like, kind of, like, one take and, like, during COVID it was like, it wasn't kind of just like an afternoon or a weekend of like sitting and banging it out or something. It was like uh, since I think February or whatever, I was just going every week or every two weeks. I was paying for more time than I usually get. And I would like, I would do one single and then I would do two tracks for my album every week when I go in so that I still kept up with my singles and stuff. Right. I didn't fall behind. And um, yeah, basically it was just like, a lot more time than i thought it would have been you know what i mean like i thought it would have been like just not necessarily just a sitting but not uh not over a almost a year span to get it all together
0: yeah um that's usually how it goes with projects like that because um yeah they take the once you get multiple songs it's not the same thing and it like it felt like with that project at least you were trying to tell a little bit of a story
1: Yeah, I was trying to tell uh, a bit of story about myself and, like, it was a little bit of a story, but a little bit of, like, you know, showing people, like, how goofy, but also how, like, versatile I am at the same time, you know, because it's not, like, none of my songs are all partial to, like, one, like, type, you know, I'm I'm not just, like, it's not all club hits, it's not all love songs, it's not, like, you know, like, uh, I try to hit a bunch of different, like, targets for my music on that album.
0: I have to give this man credit because he did something that impressed me. I don't even know that I got to the part where I fully absorbed the song yet because I was still too excited to like conceptually absorb the song. He created a fucking murder mystery with all these Bring the Bars boys. <clears throat> and like they are flat out just like like you're playing Clue, trying to not be the one that you think murdered though whoever got murdered or whatever on this track. And then he's like, but not all the clues are on the song. You're wrong. And it's not It's not a person that I thought it was on some goofy shit. I-, I wanted to understand more about where the other clues were. And if you could just expand on this, because it is a really nifty listen. It's like a bunch of rappers being like, Psh, ain't me that killed that motherfucker. But I'm about on that dude. And you know he's fucking there. I'm <laughs> my favorite was like yo king canada too nice it has to be him that was my fucking favorite (laughs) one that
1: was a good line for sure but uh yeah man that that song's concept like came together so like organically and stuff and it was crazy working with the like the btb boys because like it's i've done a few projects with them and it's always like great to work with them because we're all all kind of on the same page and knowing what we want to do and everybody's prompt with their work right we're not waiting like Fucking eight months to get the goddamn fucking 16 bars back from somebody you know and so basically like what happened is that like as you could see on my album i kind of like having titles that all of the letters like kind of start with like the same thing like sudbury slam sessions melodic murder mystery you know like shit like that it's I mean, very appealing i didn't even,
0: even notice that shit but now that you say it that's pretty smart <clears throat>
1: Yeah, so it's just, like, it, it's appealing to my ear. So, like, whenever I I, I I just, like, picked it, I was like, yeah, fuck it. I like that. So when we were getting the song together, we were like, well, are like, what were we going to call it? And I was like, Melodic Murder Mystery. <laughs> I was like, that sounds dope. And then we all came up with the concept that it was going to be a game of Clue or whatever, right? And so originally we were supposed to have another artist that goes by the name Kofa811. Um, he was supposed to be on the the track with us. But he had some things that happened and he wasn't able to be on the track so we got one of his boys instead but we still shout him out in the song and he still has a feature that's on the song so the <laughs> the back of the album would be where the other uh, clue is to who killed the beat on the song
0: because mm, you have to go see who's there that isn't mentioned
1: no it would be more like <laughs> I,
0: don't know, I, don't, I don't remember the back and, of the album so it's like i don't know what the, okay but fine, i'll go look after it's okay so basically no, you, you don't have to it, spoil it unless you want to
1: uh i don't really care so basically i made it so that uh i still gave kofa a credit on the song because he's the one that killed the beat uh because the reason why the reason why he wasn't able to be on the song is because he went uh he went to prison like in real life or whatever so oh, we made it fuck. the concept so that we made it the concept that he's the one that killed the beat, and that's why he was in jail or whatever, right? So that's what the whole plan of like the whole idea behind it was gonna be. Um, but then, word. yeah, we couldn't get a verse from him. We were trying <laughs> to get a verse from him, like through the telephone in, in prison or something to make it like a like a little Wayne type of scenario or whatever, you know. And uh, we, for some reason, we couldn't get it, so we got Obi One to jump on the beat, but we left Cope's name in the credits. And we still mention him in the song because he's the one that did kill the beat. And that's why he's in jail. And at the end of the song, his boy Obi-Wan, who's, they're actually boys in real life. He comes and talks on his behalf. And he's like, oh, who killed the beat or whatever. But yeah, it's fucking, it's a super dope concept, man.
0: Yeah, it's really like tapping into lore that I would have no fucking idea on in the first place. But like now that you've explained it all, I feel like if I spent eight minutes watching you break that down on YouTube... I'd enjoy it. I would watch that video. That's my shit. I'm into that. Like I said, it reminds me of an ARG, which is an alternate reality game, which is that bullshit YouTubers in really obscure pockets of the internet do, where they like watch, they create like a YouTube video, and then that links to like a Google Maps picture, and then like it's like a whole fucking thing and you unravel the mystery and it's all fucking wonky but like there's whole communities that are into that shit and i like that shit a lot because it's it's just so obscurely fucking fascinating and i'm like you basically did a mini one on your album like that's a big old like you have to actually put that little bit of effort in and that meant that it was really only the people who copped your project because who else is seeing the fucking back cover who are even gonna get that which is fucking fucking fascinating in general right like all of that's really nifty shit man really nifty i give you like full props on that impresses the fuck out of me on every level and that doesn't happen that often where i'm just duly going i just wish i thought of that before this guy but i didn't so now i'm gonna steal his idea and do my thing with it but deep down in my soul know it was your idea that's what happens next
1: Honestly, that was, like, the biggest feedback from my album. Like, out of everything on my album that anybody said, the biggest thing I got from everyone was, when is there going to be a part two of this murder mystery? Everybody everybody's like, when is there going to be a part two? This is really cool. It's a really cool concept.
0: You got to go, okay. Saw was a really cool concept. Saw 2 worked because they had to up the concept to make it work. So you can't yeah. just do, like, a part two. You got to oh, also no, no. up the metagame, bro. I'm fucking sold. <laughs> Oh my god! Anyway, my my imagination is going wild with the potential for what a person could do with this fucking idea. It is the coolest, like, oh my god! In the social media world, the amount of Easter eggs you could create a trail of that would create you could art. You might already be doing it, and we don't even know it. You know what I'm saying? Like that's the level of where this shit's at right now. Woo! You got me. You got me excited. It's dope, man. I'm happy. I'm just like I'm really into alternate marketing, right? Like a lot of people like to pay. I want to come up with really great. I want I want to like capture the attentions of people with stupid shit, the dumbest shit. Like, like here's an example: we just made some songs implying that we stole somebody's bike, (laughs) and then we're hoping that other people keep it going. They're not, but we'll keep it alive. And what happened was is my boy in Scotland is like, who the fuck is this guy that you why are you guys rapping about this guy? And he went and looked him up and shit and became a fan. And I'm like, Yeah, that's how you do this shit. <laughs> I'm like, <clears throat> I'm trying to get like a lot more people involved. I'm like, yo, on TikTok, it's wild. Me and my boy Sieb Dredd will be like, yo, Seeb Dread, I'm in the morning. Coffee in my hat instead. This is fucking garbage raps. It's like 6 a.m. I fucking put it out and then I'll tag him. Be like, yo, hold it. Blah, blah, blah. And like that's he responds back. And I'm like, yo, if we were all there just rapping at each other, like it was like, like we are cool reality TV. Like, fuck it. We are the shit. Motherfuckers will just watch it. Like, who the fuck are these people? And that's the best (laughs) ever. That's my dream stay right now is everybody jumps on and we just add each other on TikTok. Like, we're 14 year olds with MSN Messenger.
1: (laughs) That's how it has to be, man. That's how it has to be.
0: And it's fun because you don't have to try that hard on TikTok if you're rapping. You just like, rappety raps. And then, like, fucking post it with some hashtags. It's fucking great. It's the easiest (laughs) shit I've ever done as far as content. Yo, reels though, with your own music, you have to fucking try because it's just, it's like, think of shit. I'm not good at reels. I'm just not. They're fucking hard but I like the other rest of it. The
1: rest of it is fine. <clears throat> yeah.
0: How do you feel about social media?
1: Uh, Honestly, I feel like I'm kind of like half and half about it. Like I'm not, if you look on my phone, I don't, I don't have Snapchat. I've never been a fan of Snapchat. I probably had Snapchat on my phone for like a whole week at once. Um, I've never been on Twitter either. Like there's, there's quite a few things I've never really been on that I haven't really experienced. And like, even, like, moving to Toronto was a weird experience for me because, like, I was single when I when I moved here and I was trying to pick up girls. And, like, instead of, like, getting a number, they give me their fucking Instagram. And I'm like, bro, I have, like, 50 followers on Instagram because I'm from a farm town and I don't give a fuck about this. Like, we all talk on Facebook. Like, normal people are fucking in front of each other. You know what I mean? So, yeah, it was, like, really eye-opening to me to notice, like, how much I don't really, like partake in fucking social media whatsoever like i find it's useful for like what it's there but i don't particularly use as much of it as i should
0: should is a big relative man it's all relative to your grind i just think they're interesting tools like i don't actually use the instagram feed i just post to instagram and i research people on instagram but i never Mm -hmm. use the feed because it's boring to me I like Facebook because I'm old as shit and I accept it. Like it's just if you like Facebook, you might not be the youngest person in life these days. Is what I've learned, and <laughs> like that's that's like a, a truth about Facebook. Um, but it's cool that you had to Instagram because a it helps you meet girls. That's a fact, and b uh, it's useful if you want to meet young people in this rap game. Because good chance that anybody that's like 22 is not on Facebook, and if they are. They begrudgingly make fun of you when they log into their Facebook account because you pointed out that's where the old people are. That's fair, Stills. Tell us about the karaoke thing.
1: So, so, yeah, basically, like, when I first moved here, um, like, we were making a lot of money working in, like, the dispensary and stuff because, like, none of it was taxed and shit, obviously. So that was good. <laughs> so we were just fucking partying all the time and stuff, and uh, we ended up stumbling a- across this bar. Um, it's called uh, The Rosen Crown in Toronto, and uh, they have um, they have karaoke nights every Monday. So it was only on Monday nights, and we were there on a Monday, and I was absolutely trashed, and... Uh, I was like, man, I'm going up to sing karaoke. I was trying to get my best friend to come up with me, and he's all shy. And I'm like, bro, like, let's go. Stop being a pussy. Like, drink your beer and <laughs> let's do this, you know? And we went up and we sang, uh, I forgot what the fucking name of the song is. It it's like the final uh, showdown song the in final uh, Tenacious content. D. Or, no, no, no it, the one in Tenacious D uh, when he goes against uh, the devil there.
0: Oh, tribute. This is just a tribute you've got. No, no,
1: no. no. No, it's the, one,
0: oh, it's the one... you're talking about from the, the movie. fucking movie. Yeah, yeah. When you oh, say word, right, was right, right, right. Okay, I know what you're talking about. Devil. No, I know what you're talking about, but I can't remember the name of the song.
1: Yeah, but yeah. It's anyways. It's like a back and forth between like Tenacious D and the Devil and stuff, yeah, right? And yeah. So we went, we went up, and the karaoke guy had that on his system, so we sang it together, and like everybody, half the bar was like cheering, and the other half was like, "Bro, what the fuck is this?" Like, you know. But we had a great time. And then after that night, I literally went to that bar every single Monday night after. And I would always sing like uh, Tenacious D or like uh, White Stripes. Um, I had to get some Nickelback in. I know people don't like Nickelback, but I don't really give a shit. Amazing. Anybody Um, who doesn't like
0: Nickelback, it doesn't make no sense to me.
1: Dude, but the first concert I've been to in like real, real life is Nickelback. I've seen Nickelback was the first band I've actually ever seen in my life.
0: They're like incredible. Like I know why people don't like them. It's because they're successful, and they make <laughs> really great pop music, and people like to get mad when really successful pop stars exist. It's just what people do. But bro, you can go to any Nickelback album. They're versatile. They're all over the place sonically the The concepts mm-hmm. are actually like really dark and like mature themes relatively speaking for the times, like, there's a whole reason that they're tapping into your, your girlfriend's daddy issues. Like it just totally makes sense why men hated that shit.
1: Exactly. <laughs> it's true. But yeah, I was just like, there, sitting all this stuff and I was having a great time. And, uh, like there's one night I was there and, uh, fucking this girl walked in and she was like, super fucking hot, bro. Like <laughs> I was sitting there like, damn, I was like, this girl's so like attractive. And, I was hammered and so i had a song that i was gonna sing uh it was a it was a tenacious d song but i just like i like jack black because his vocals like when he sings songs he shows his vocal range like throughout the song right so i was planning to go sing a jack black song so that i could show my vocal range to this chick but because i was hammered i decided the last second to switch the song to the fucking bad touch by the bloodhound gang because I thought I'd be, like, fucking cool or whatever. So, I was singing <laughs> I was singing this song to this girl, and uh, I thought I was cool. I wasn't too cool. <laughs> fucking, she wasn't having any of it, so I went outside, and I was having a cigarette, and she ended up coming outside with her friend, and uh, we ended up talking, and then she asked to come sit at my table, and we sat we were sitting together at the table and stuff and uh she came with like her friends and it was two girls and this other dude and uh i was there with my friends and she was like she was being kind of flirty with me but like i thought she was there with another guy so i was like you know like
0: you were being respectful
1: yeah exactly so i was like whatever like i don't want to get into the middle of this shit you know so i was sitting there and uh, she says that she has to go to the bathroom. So her and the girls go to the bathroom. And I look at the guy and I'm like, I, was like, I just want to ask you, like, are you two together or something? Like, I just want to know if you're dating. And he's like, oh, no, man, I'm gay as fuck, dude. And I'm like, oh, my God. I'm like, as if. <laughs> I'm like, I, I, didn't, I didn't know or anything. And he's like, no, no problem. He's like, yeah, I think she's into you because she's been trying to flirt with you the whole time. And I was like, bro, I thought you guys were together. But, uh, yeah, anyway, that's how I ended up meeting my girlfriend. I'm still with her to this day. <laughs> we were going to karaoke, like, every night and stuff, and that's how we ended up meeting.
0: So let me understand this correctly. The Bloodhound Gang <laughs> yeah. helped too much in your life. Their their existence <laughs> helped you very much in a lot of ways.
1: It did. I never thought I'd take it, but it did. I
0: appreciate your input. Do, 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 do. Yeah, it's one of my <laughs> favorite songs. I don't care what anyone says. I, yo fuck straight to this day. It's like what is, do, 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 that. And then it's like that fucking thing, and then they do the thrusts, bro. I remember that yeah. shit from when I'm like fucking twelve. I don't care what anyone says. That shit's like a banger. I mean, I'm also twelve, and the shit's about fucking. It's a <laughs> banger to this day. I don't care what anyone says. That was that was a great music video too.
1: Oh I yeah. Digress.
0: That's an amazing story. And I'm glad that song is included. That's uh, that's cool. Do you karaoke a lot stills? Like I guess I don't know because it's COVID now and it's Ontario and I don't never I don't really know. It's different than Quebec.
1: Well, so before COVID happened, uh, we start we found this little bar, the sushi bar that had uh, karaoke in the basement till 4 a.m. So my girlfriend would go and I we would go there to get drunk and eat sushi and karaoke. And you pay $20 an hour and you get this private room and you can just karaoke mm. in it. So pretty fun. But uh, <laughs> I want to answer your question. I have uh, a karaoke microphone right here in my room. So we can't go karaokeing anywhere right now, but we do in our house.
0: I respect that a lot. Yeah, I want to karaoke. I wish more people wanted to karaoke. That's like the funnest shit ever for me. But every rapper I know is like... I can't fucking karaoke putting another man's raps. Till they get in the whip and they're like, bar for fucking bar spitting another man's raps. But somehow you do that on stage and it's inappropriate, but you do it in a private concert for your homeboys and it's totally appropriate. Whack ass fucking rules that people make for themselves. Stills, man. I did hip hop karaoke. It was the most amazing thing. I don't know if that shit exists in Toronto, but check that shit out. If, if they're there. It's kind of like every city had their own. And they were all like kind of independent but still kind of the same core idea so there's no words though so now you gotta like walk in with the track ready to like fucking pop off like you wrote it and so i just started doing that and the shit was at like a bigger venue in my first like year second year of rapping or whatever and my like, gosh man there's nothing like having 300 drunk young people like fucking doing shit like i did roll rollout and they like i was like yo i need i need y'all to do that roll out roll out and they did it they just did it and i'm like say a word and it looks amazing on video and shit and i'm like i sound like ass because i can't sing for shit but man it looked cool that they fucking did it with me and shit yo shout out dj Magnanimous who does the fucking loop sessions in montreal y'all went live when i was live and i couldn't go check your shit but um but i once ended at he said i once ended up in an underground illegal after hours karaoke in chinatown after a dj gig i was mad confused say a word i didn't even <laughs> man that was like a little bit to process there that's dope stills <laughs> shit we gotta get you on a fucking thing yo it was the most amazing shit at belmont it felt like because yo you gotta understand this is like the venue that like low-key like underground but like you still care about them rappers come to like a la coca Nostra and shit and so you're at this venue that looks like a venue like a real venue not like a bar it looks like a fucking show place and it's full of young people dancing and shit at least for this like one year where they were doing it monthly and shit now it's part of that run and like you're doing all these pop songs because they don't let you do anything but pop songs which in hindsight made for much better video and thank them for their fucking wisdom and my young ass was trying to do icp and shit not the wisest move for that crowd So we end up running through, like, Tupac's and Biggie's and whatever, whatever's and whatnot. And everybody's fucking bombing out or whatever. But, yo, it gave you so much fucking experience with this, like, crowd that was just so responsive. And they knew the words to the shit. And you knew the words. So you're able to really do the, and then just know the words because you're doing some fucking shit everybody knows. Like, I did fucking Problems by Drake and ASAP Rocky. Everybody knew that track at that time. You know what I mean? i was just like the most incredible experience i mean i never got that shit doing my own music one time not even gonna lie but fuck it the day that happens with my music i'm ready and it's all from karaoke it is the most and then i got to perform it like just for laughs like no lie i did rap god it just for laughs in uh 2019 yo nice. i got to do fucking uh break your neck at hip-hop karaoke in front of fucking what's his name hannibal Bress. At the first just for laugh shit they did, I'm like fuck that. I'm coming into it with that. So I did break your neck, or no, that was Dmx and Hannibal Breast. I did break it neck at the outdoor stage, one of them. I did three of the fucking just for laugh ones. So the first, Hannibal Breast was Dmx, but I did do break your neck and that shit was amazing, cause yo. But like I don't really have like the same aesthetic and general energy, so his performance like matched this Buster Rhyme shit in a way where it was like. When he did "Who ha it was, like, fucking cool. Anyway, yeah. it was just blessed, man. It was just whole, like, culture. And, yeah, the biggest part of it, though, is that it was fucking monthly. So, we'd just go back and see the same people, like, every fucking time. Man, it was great. I miss that shit a lot. I still participate when they do their shit. I even did their fucking COVID Instagram one, which it was not the same. It was I. Cause I had Mm. shitty headphones and shit. It was, it was, I, it was not, it was was worth it. But I, you know, it sounded not great. After I was like, it's much more fun in a bar with sound wise. (laughs) Anyway, karaoke's blessed, man. And I fucking think it's cool that you found like love of karaoke. That's cool too. That's real fucking cool, man.
1: Yeah, and honestly, never really expected it because like, at that point, I wasn't really like looking. For a relationship or anything and I kind of just felt like ass backwards until when and like we kept going to karaoke together and it's like it's such a crazy experience because my girlfriend is like super 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 shy and like when we go to karaoke she like she drinks just like we all drink and stuff and like she just starts singing and she has such a beautiful like she's on my album uh, on a couple of the songs and she has such a beautiful voice but she never wants to use it because she just doesn't like wanna want people to know that she could sing, you know, and it's like she sings like um, uh, maybe or yeah, maybe I'm amazed by Paul McCartney, and uh, what was the other ones. Oh man, but yeah. Anyway, she sings uh, so many songs, and it's just like hearing her sing is just like super mesmerizing, and it was just like a continuous experience. That like every time we go there, it's like our souls are connecting like it's kind of, it's fucks like don't so, to explain it but like when we're going to karaoke it's just like we're having an outer body experience and our souls are just connecting through music you know it's crazy
0: that's like some seriously romantic shit like like damn dude <laughs> i mean like my girlfriend went ah like bro that's that sounds beautiful I want out of body experiences ethereally karaoke
1: <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's crazy, too, because, like, you know, like at these private rooms we were getting and stuff, too, it's like it felt even more surreal because, like, it's just her and I in the room and we're just singing to each other and we're just doing it just for just because. And it fucking, it just feels even like I don't even know how to explain it, man. Like, I honestly have no idea how to explain it. It just feels like you're spiritually bonding with another person.
0: Hmm. I like that idea. I mean, I definitely think you can find that in other ways. But, personally, oh, my gosh. I love that idea. That sounds like such a fucking awesome connecting thing. Yo, Bonnie, you're going to have to come sing at me. She's like, fuck no. I can hear her right now being like, that is not happening. I can just picture her face. Don't worry. We'll figure it out. We'll figure out whatever we got to do to make that happen. Um, so, yo, what else do you have coming with? Do you do visuals? I didn't even talk about the whole visual journey. Like, do you do like fucking uh, music videos and all that?
1: Um, I haven't do, done any music videos yet. Uh, I still have yet to do that. I haven't uh dabbled in that whole area yet.
0: Do you have intentions of dabbling?
1: A hundred percent, yes.
0: Yeah, Yo, you guys can do that shit with a phone. You can dabble with a phone right now. You can just like pick up the phone, go to some part of T Dot, I don't know, if people still call it that. But uh sure. and then like fucking film yourself in front of a thing. Doing your thing. Yo, wherever the you know like that picture where you're like sitting on the steps with the graffiti next to you, you can go find yeah. one of those spots and just be like, yo, do the boop, boop, boop. And you know, <laughs> then just like get a video editor on your phone for like eight mm-hmm. bucks and like edit it mad quick, throw on a one, two filter, pop that out. It's going to be better than nothing.
1: Yeah, definitely. Uh, the only issue that I was having with that is like, I bought a GoPro to make some music videos this year, oh, uh, like a few cameras and stuff, but, uh, I don't have like my girlfriend works all the time and like I basically just like kind of live in Toronto by myself like the people I moved here with they moved back to Sudbury and stuff so like I don't really fucking hang out with people or anything on my downtime.
0: <laughs> Fair. All I know yeah. is that there's a lot of simple things you can do to make stuff but man, I got to do is go to shows and shit. Are the shows happening? Is there, like, a live scene opening up again in Toronto?
1: Uh, I think in September there is, yeah.
0: That's dope. Then you just got to go out and integrate into that. Are you going to go find spots to perform?
1: Oh, 100%, yes. Right,
0: it's over. You're just going to go meet people then. That's, like, the number one rule of this shit. I've taught, everybody I've talked to, I've asked the question, how did you find this person? They're like, I went out. I left my crib. Granted, you're... You guys allowed to do things? Are you guys in lockdown still?
1: uh no we're allowed to do stuff right now sort of kind of limited still but we're are the stores open even- here yeah
0: so all the stores are back to normal like you can buy like non-essential shit properly again
1: yeah
0: fresh um that's us stop i don't know what else to ask you at this moment mr Rap. i feel like we've worked up because you already said that you got an ep coming you're gonna keep running your singles You've been doing all this stuff. Um, EP's coming in a couple of months. Like you already dropped the What I'm Doing Next stuff already. I don't know if there's anything else, though, that you want to mention that you want to announce, etc. Uh,
1: well, the uh, one extra thing I'll probably mention is that uh, one of those singles that I'll be doing for the end of the year is going to be featuring Dizzy Wright. I got a feature with Dizzy Wright coming for December. Say a fucking word.
0: That's nifty as fuck. How'd you get a Dizzy Wright feature?
1: Uh, so I was actually watching this YouTube video, and there uh, was this guy talking about how he uh, he DM'd a hundred different artists, and how most of them responded back to him with a price for a feature collaboration uh, from their artists and stuff. And uh, Dizzy Wright was one of these guys, uh, so I figured I'd give it a try too. So at the start of this year, I messaged a bunch of artists, and I had. Uh, A few artists get back to me. So I had Bizarre uh, from D12 get back to me. Uh, Dizzy Wright's Redman get back to me too, but he said he wasn't doing any features or anything at the moment. you saying Uh, Redman answered you? Yeah, he answered me on Instagram. And uh, he actually, so I asked him like uh, on the 10th of January and the 13th of January is my birthday. So on the 10th of January, I asked him if we could do a feature. He told me no because he wasn't doing any. And then to send me some of my music so you could check it out. And then three days later on my birthday, he's like, yo, I'm just wishing you a happy birthday, brother, blah, blah, blah. I was like, fuck as if, dude. It's like the coolest birthday I've ever had.
0: Say a word, eh? That's real dope, man.
1: But uh, yeah, I messaged Dizzy, got a price and everything from his manager, and fucking we set it up for December. So, yeah. Uh, it's
0: fucking dope. Still, that's cool, man. Happy for you. Thanks, man. honestly that's real good i'm glad we had this conversation i feel like myself and everybody else who stuck around got to know you a lot better man i really liked all of your anecdotes i feel like that kind of shit like they it, like it explain stuff like it explains like take like an anti-xanax stance maybe makes more sense in a small town environment where the impact is felt differently right i'm gonna say it like that the impact isn't felt the same in montreal unless you happen to be in that circuit you can completely avoid a lot of things is what i'm trying to say so like hearing your story adds like this layer like i said to your project that i think is super dope and just to your music and the way you present yourself so i'm glad we did this and you had some cool knowledge nuggets man you got some fucking interesting stories and in how you did it i wasn't expecting you to have the weed store thing i wasn't expecting the fucking pizza story shit. I just you got me on a lot of I wasn't expecting the whole way through. Made it very enjoyable. That's all I gotta say. Thank y'all for watching too. The internet peoples, yo, it's fucking dope that y'all stuck it through like you do and you're commenting along the way. Everybody out there, I don't know if you're still with us. DJ Magnanimous, your lady friend Bonnie, Ismail, Golden Jenny, they're all fucking wonderful people. Um, all you in the future watching, y'all are wonderful people too. Future people, like, follow, subscribe, all that good future people stuff. Um, your links are going to be down below in the, the, the fucking description of the video and shit for the people watching in the future. And yeah, uh, it was great having you here, man. Um, on that note, do you have any final words for the folk? Uh,
1: man, honestly. I'm a big believer in dreaming and all you guys just keep on fucking dreaming, chasing your dreams, man. That's all that really matters is what you do in life makes you happy. doesn't matter if you make other people happy.
0: Love it. I had to double on that. Live long and prosper everyone.